Welcome back to a special edition of the Attitude of Aggression Wrestling Podcast. I know, amazing, miraculous, all that sort of shit that we're actually putting out an episode, but we couldn't miss this one. Couldn't miss this one because it is, my friends, the sixth annual Swaggy Awards. It is the celebration of the best of the best in pro wrestling in this crazy, fucked up year otherwise known as 2020 right i mean jesus i think i put out like what three four episodes it'll be like four episodes this year uh not a lot of activity on the attitude of aggression this year uh you know i've said it before a lot of stuff going on with uh just the world change you know the pandemic came out and and really screwed things up and i mean um what a mess <laughs> to say to say the very least, and I, and I just, you know, it's not like I haven't been doing stuff. I've been I've been doing more stuff with the DWI podcast, my friends PC Tunney and DPP and AJ Belaz and that sort of thing. Been doing a lot of stuff with them, and obviously been real busy with Bandwagon Nerds. Did a couple of guest stints on Pod is War, so staying busy, uh, doing lots of podcasting. Just haven't done my own shows, but you know, we got to the end of the year, and the Swaggies are always one of the big events. Not just attitude of aggression, but you know the guys at the DWI really look forward to the event and wanted to do it. You know, wanted to talk pro wrestling 2020, hand out some virtual hardware, talk about the best of the best in this in the industry this year because it has been a, a year like no other for pro wrestling. 2020 has been a year like has never happened before for all of us, for humanity in general, but pro wrestling for sure has had an enormously challenging and and difficult year and, and a year that created a lot of opportunities and a lot of change and a lot of places for people to step forward and, and really make a name for themselves. And that's what that's what we're doing here on this episode, 269 of the podcast. It's the sixth annual Swaggy Awards. We are celebrating the best of the best in pro wrestling for 2020. Um, the panel this year was consisting of, of course, my good friend, best friend in the podcasting industry, PC Tunney from the DWI podcast. We were also joined by the phenomenally funky, fresh AJ Belaz, brother of Andrew Belaz. AJ making his debut here on the Attitude of Aggression podcast uh, and his first time on the Swaggies. And then one of my partners in crime from the Bandwagon Nerds podcast, the Reverend Ray Cash. Ray coming on the show for the very first time ever. I've <laughs> talked all this nerd stuff with him. And now I got a chance to talk pro wrestling with him. So that was really cool to have him on. And, you know, we all just watched Wonder Woman 84 and reviewed that on Bandwagon Nerds last week. So it's a great panel. Lots of differing opinions. Some really cool topics that we got into. And we will get into the swaggies in just a moment. But, um, you know, before we get into that. So here's here's the thing. We recorded the swaggies on Saturday, December 26th about... I be, believe we began, began recording about, oh, 5 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, December 26th. By the time we got done with that, it was maybe an hour or two later, I got a, a, a DM from Patrick, o, Patrick O'Dowd, who, of course, Patrick is my co-host on Bandwagon Nerds. He sent me a, a DM through Twitter, and it, it was a, a massive gut punch to me and anybody affiliated with pro wrestling as he had told me, it was the first time I'd heard it, that John Huber, also known as Luke Harper from WWE, also known as Brody Lee, 
from AEW had passed away at the age of 41 uh, from an undisclosed lung issue that was non-COVID related. Uh, and, and, you know, in a year where lots of people died, obviously too many people, we got some real shocking news as, as the year went along. I mean, remember it started with Kobe the day of the Royal rumble, a devastating humongous loss. Um, and then you look at Chadwick Boseman near the end of August, which for those of us in the nerd industry or just anybody, humanity in general, a, a terrible, tragic loss. On the wrestling landscape, you know, we lost Tracy Smothers a few months back. We lost Pat Patterson about a month ago. John Huber is a, a I mean, a different story. And, and I kind of delayed putting this episode out a few days because not just trying to digest it, but I, I really wanted to see kind of what the shows did with this whole thing. And the thing about John Huber is he's such, he was such a beloved individual, uh, just a great, you know, yeah, is he going to have a Hall of Fame wrestling career? Is he going to be remembered for that? Somewhat. I mean, Luke Harper and WWE Intercontinental Champion, uh, Tag Team Champion with the Bludgeon Brothers with Eric Rowan, TNT Champion in AEW. So, solid career. You know, I don't know if it's Hall of Fame worthy. It probably should be. But who gives a shit about that? Because it's John Huber, the man, the family man, the husband, the father, uh, and just the in- incredible impact that he left on on people and the tributes and and the heartfelt words that have come out since his passing a few days ago has been nothing short of remarkable and really lets you know the impact he had on a lot of people on the industry on a lot of people Um, he's he's so beloved that he could actually bring these two companies that are supposedly competitors with each other wwe and AEW are competitors with 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 each other but that wall, that dividing wall between the two companies really kind of came down this week as, you know, WWE did tributes to John Huber, also known as Luke Harper. AEW did tributes to Brody Lee. Uh, you know, AEW's tribute show last night had lots of pictures of, of uh, John with like Bray Wyatt, with Seth Rollins, with, uh, with uh, you know, Eric Rowan holding the Raw tag team titles or the SmackDown tag team titles. Sorry. You know, so... It's it's an unprecedented moment that somebody who impacted the industry so positively and was beloved by so many could actually, at least for a brief moment, bring down this wall that separates WWE and AEW. And, and it's just an industry-wide mourning and an industry-wide celebration of his life and the person that he was. And... You know, I watched some stuff earlier today, some of the people at WWE who really, really struggle. Xavier Woods really struggled. Jason Jordan really struggling with stuff. Um, you know, read some heartfelt stuff from Bray Wyatt, from Seth Rollins. The AEW tribute show on Dynamite last night was awesome. Simply fantastic. Eric Rowan showed up. Um, you know, Hangman Page, very impacted by it. Cody, very impacted. They retired the present TNT championship belt last night and gave it to... Um, Brody Jr. So, you know, from my standpoint, you know, I mean, and we're, I'm going to just flat out say we're dedicating this episode of this installment of the Swaggies to uh, the memory of John Huber, Luke Harper, Brody Lee, whatever you want to call him. You know, I, I always thought the guy always was cool to me because he was a fan of the team formerly known as the Washington Redskins, now the Washington football team. So I can relate to that. 
And I always liked listening to him. He was so articulate and so smart. And he was portrayed as just this lumbering, kind of oafish, silent killer of a character in WWE when he was Luke Harper. And we all knew he was more than that. And, and I mean, and here's the thing is, is you can, I mean, was he mismanaged in WWE? Probably, you know, they should have got more out of him than they did. And they just didn't. And, you know, that's got to fall on creative. That's got to fall on Vince a little bit. Uh, he was really successful in the brief time he was in AAW. And no one really knows what happened, what, what he had that took him out of the game. But at 41, it's just tragic. You look at his son and, and it's, it's, I mean, what can you say? I mean, my, my thoughts about, about him, you know, as I said, the, so about the Washington football team, um, he, he was just such a great talent. And and like I said, I don't think he ever reached his full potential. I think that might've been coming, but, um, he was such a good worker and, and, and so beloved by everybody in the locker room. And it's just a massive, huge loss. Rest in peace, John. And, uh, See on the other side. So a, a devastating loss to the wrestling community right here at the end of things. And, and I'll tell you this right now. Um, you know, you'll hear on the swaggies, my discussion as to one of the categories, of course, is biggest disappointment in the, of the year. So I won't spoil with that right now with what my pick is, but I would say that, um, you know, I'd probably amend that now uh, a few days later and say my biggest disappointment of the year in pro wrestling is the, uh, the, the death of John Huber. It's, um, just too soon 41 that's that's too soon and i mean you, know, you look at the other people who lost this year shad gaspard uh you know that was an, another one that was really tough but john huber's passing is even worse so anyway that's uh something i had to say at the outset of this episode talk about that kind of in, explain why we waited a few days to release this episode because um you know i wanted to address that but with that being said, let's get into the Swaggy Awards. That's what everybody's here for, to hear who takes home the virtual hardware. You know, and, and, you know, and for those of you who don't know how it works, there's 20 categories, all sorts of different stuff we talk about, various categories. I've heard lots of compliments over the years as to the categories that we've come up with here on the show, that they're some of the more most broad listing, you know, uh, all-encompassing kind of running the gamut of the spectrum of pro wrestling. So I'm proud of the categories and I'm proud of the guys involved. And again, I said, you know, we had PC Tunney on here. You'll hear him. You'll hear AJ Belaz, who definitely added a different flair to the uh, awards, you know, very outside the box. AJ, like his brother, very heavily involved with like Impact Wrestling with like um, Japan, U Japan Pro Wrestling and things like that. So um, he was uh, he definitely added a different take on things and of course my buddy ray cash and uh yeah ray ray had some great stuff to talk about as well so with that being said let's get into this thing let's uh let's bring the boys on let's of course especially because aj and ray have never been on the show before so they they've got to get the ron burgundy jazz flute so ron give us the jazz flute take us to the six annual swaggy awards if you please
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the sixth annual Swaggy Awards show. It has been a very strange 2020 for the Attitude of Aggression, as I have done more work with the DWI podcast and Pot is War than I have on my own show. But that's okay because, you know, I've got best friends and I've got the bandwagon nerds and more best friends over there and just a lot of stuff going on. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't close out the year with a very special installment of the Attitude of Aggression and the return of one of our best shows every year, the Swaggy Awards. And so here we are for the sixth year in a row. And this year's esteemed panel. First and foremost is the best friend of the Attitude of Aggression, the one and only PC Tunney. PC, welcome back. How are you doing, sir? <clears throat> ahoy, ahoy, chips, ahoy, gentlemen. Haven't used that one in a while. Dave, pleasure to be back here on the Attitude of Aggression podcast, the Swaggy Awards. I look forward to them every year. I look forward to making out this list. I just want people to know that. And the list you've come up with is excellent. I've got a chance to do this a couple times. I've gotten a chance to swerve on a couple topics, so I, I really like the agenda, and I'm thrilled to be back with you on the Attitude of Aggression podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad you are here. And joining us, we got two first-timers, two virgins. We got two virgins oh, here. Time to sacrifice on. the virgins. Hold on. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Pop that cherry, baby. Uh, first up, it is the phenomenally funky fresh AJ Belaz, also known as Brother of Balls. How are you doing, AJ? B-O-B. I'm doing good. I'm doing very good, especially with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But don't worry, I got trivia. Oh, I got a list that you gave me of all the categories. It's not trivia this week. It's the Swaggy Awards. It's not going to be. Go ahead, Tuddy, say it. It won't be. There will be no BS here today. Maybe a little. <laughs> and the fourth, and the fourth person in our illustrious panel today, making his debut on the Swaggy Awards. We may just have to change your name from the Reverend to the Virgin Ray Cash. I kind of like Ooh. that. That that's got a good ring to it. Your kids will wonder they, what's they, up, but technically they're supposed to go hand in hand, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Um, you it depends on which hand. <laughs> but um, no, thank you. It's my pleasure to be on the Greg DeMarco show. I've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> Shit, fuck you, Ray. <laughs> I had to pull an R-Truth moment. So, ah, okay. no, it, it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you for asking me to be on, man. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk wrestling with you, Ray, because we always talk nerd stuff. And <laughs> we got into this stuff as wrestling podcasters, and here we get to actually talk wrestling. So, it it's is. A great point. Yeah. It, yeah, I know. It's it's going to be interesting. The sixth annual Swaggy Awards. For those of you who may not know how this works, we have um, twenty categories. The categories have evolved a little bit over the year. At my wife's urging, we got rid of "Dadass of the Year." It's not very politically correct anymore. Babe, just so you know, the live studio audience is booing you right now. Oh, she heard it. <laughs> <laughs> obscene also, middle finger the gesture. Old, the only PC that we have is PC Tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's not very yes, popular. She's not very popular. 
except with me because I, I love her and that sort of thing. But <laughs> anyway, she's kind of hanging out because we got puppies and she's uh, keeping them in line. But anyway, the Swaggies are it's up to 20 categories now. It used to be like 15 or 17 or something. It's 20 categories covering the gamut of professional wrestling in various different aspects. I mean, and the way we do it is we're going to go around the, around the table with each category. We're each going to make our picks. Um, there is no right or wrong answer unless it's unanimous. And then obviously it's the right answer. And that happens every once in a while. It's, it's rare that we all hit a unanimous category, but you never know. It could happen. And, uh, and we'll see where we end up. It should, it leads to some stimulating conversation. It leads to some interesting surprises and, Let's be honest, 2020 has been a very unique year for pro wrestling. I mean, you look at where we started, and then everything changed in March, right before WrestleMania, and here we are, still wondering what the hell happened. So let's, uh, (laughs) Ray's like, yeah, exactly. Let's start this thing off. First category, I'll lead the way. We'll go me, then PC, then AJ, then Ray, and then we'll kind of just flip it around as we go along. Um, we're not, it's not like rotisserie style Ray, like we do on bandwagon nerds. And since if people have the same answer, then that's all great. But we're going to start off with gimmick match of the year and, and I'll, I'll lead this one off. My gimmick match of the year for 2020 has to be the boneyard match from WrestleMania 36 undertaker, AJ styles. Uh, that was, uh, done so well. And that's undertaker's last match. Apparently, I don't know if you can really call it a match, but you know, kudos to WWE on that one for turning a, a bad situation and making the most out of it with everything going on with the pandemic having set in, having to alter WrestleMania, making it two days, making it empty arena. Um, and they took a, a they, they made the best out of this situation. They made Undertaker look fantastic so well to the point that people thought, well, he can go on if they're going to keep doing this kind of shit. So and AJ Styles turned in a, a, a wonderful performance as well. Gallows and Anderson before they left to impact. They were awesome in this segment. So gimmick match of the year for me, the Boneyard match, Taker and AJ, WrestleMania 36. Tony, what do you got here, my man? I I like that you put that in there because I kind of excluded that just because it was so well done. It was more of a it was more of a a short story told by film as opposed to a wrestling match to me, but I get it fitting into this category 100%. And if you do put it in this category, it is number one to me. I gave AEW some love, which will be probably the last time I do this for the rest of the evening. Unfortunately (laughs) for that, Um, the parking lot brawl between the best friends and Santana and Ortiz. I really enjoyed that a lot. And I, and I want to give it kudos because I think those are two really good tag teams out there. And I think if AEW was smart, they would just they would just exploit the hell out of their tag team division. So I, I want to give that props. The, the, the bumps they did and the spots they did and the sense that they kind of made it make in making that match in, in a gimmick match, I, I really appreciate it. And I think the best friends are doing some great work. And, you know, so are the guys at the inner circle, especially Santana and Ortiz. One of the high spots of AEW, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a that's a good call. That was a uh, that one might have flown under the radar a little bit, but uh, that was an excellent match. Good call, P- uh, PC. AJ, your first entry into the Swaggies in the history of uh, the history of things. So, what do you got here, Mister Buccaneers? So the history I, of Swaggy Doom. <laughs> 
So I agree with Tony where oh, the, the AJ, my fucking ears. Uh, I didn't finish. I said I agree with Tony where the the backyard the not backyard the parking lot brawl with the good friends, the best friends, and Santana and Ortiz was good. I'm gonna go with Big Dave though with the Boneyard match because, like you said, they they had nothing. They made something of it. I know not all of us are big fans of the cinematic matches that they have all the time you could have said the firefly funhouse match with cena which is it, it was good but they really made that boneyard match something special aj did a great job dare i say a phenomenal job with his role that he did but taker coming out as the american badass and everything soon as he won drives off in the sunset like every other western that you see with uh Good old Clint Eastwood. You just see him ride off in the sunset and everything's perfect. And Metallica's Now We're Dead playing in the background. I mean, that talk about the perfect song to match the perfect ending to that thing. So, all right. Well, good call. Obviously, AJ, I think that's a good call. Ray, what do you got here, my friend? So the real answer should be the, co- the COVID super spreader battle royal, but everybody lost. So can't pick that. Um, I'm with you in the boneyard, um, but I'd like to to shout out two honorable mentions. Um, Stadium Stampede deserves some love. For however you feel about AEW, that was a really fun match. Like, horrifically fun match. And um, it's not often that we get traditional matches that and new match styles. So shout out to the Fight Pit, um, Thatcher and Riddle, and they're going to do it again on New Year's Evil. That is my favorite new idea of the past God three, four, five years. I love the idea of that match. Um, I'm an MMA fan, so I enjoy the hybrid of the wrestling and MMA and that whole style. But it had to be the Boneyard. That might be the biggest match of the year, let alone the best gimmick match. So um, shout out to Taker, like AJ said, riding off into the sunset, like his uh, Clint Eastwood wannabe. Um, yeah, Boneyard, that's, that's got to be it for me. Excellent call. Yep, three out of four. Almost unanimous. Tunney, the one to center, but only because he didn't really consider the Boneyard match a gimmick match, which is understandable because, hey, it's 2020 and no one knows what the fuck anything is from one time to the other. But that means that PC, you get to uh, lead off the next category, the next swaggy. We're talking high spot of the year. What do you got in this category, man? What wowed you the most this year? Well, when you think of high spots, you, you think of you think of flying, you think of flying through the sky and, and who better to have high spot of the year than the genius of said sky in EO Shirai channeling her inner Oscar, the grouch and just throwing that trash can. And in addition on her head and caution to the wind at the same time. And just having that spot at war games, jumping off the cage into the rest of the ladies i thought you know as far as the high spots go that one that one made a lot of waves yeah that was a cool spot oscar the grouch trash cans are always a good addition to uh, any sort of war games match as soon as somebody starts throwing kendo sticks and trash cans in the war games match it's like okay now the match is on aj what do you got here so, sadly, we didn't have Shane McMahon this year try to jump off of whatever the hell, a yeah, scaffold. That was real sad. Cell. Real sad. So, Tunny, I agree with the knight. 
I agree with the match type, but I'm going to go to the men's side with McAfee's Swanton. Everyone knows how much of a mark I am for Pat McAfee. He even said it on his podcast, I think, earlier this week or last week. I'm not 100% sure. But he literally goes, I, I mean, I wanted to be like Shane. So when I stood on top of the war game cell, I was about six feet up on the rafters. And I'm like, I should be jumping off of that. <laughs> so I, I got to give it to the swanton of uh, Pat McAfee on that one. Don't worry. That's the only Pat McAfee reference I'm going to make this day. I, hey, I'm down with the brand, man. No yeah, worries. For, for the brand. More McAfee. <laughs> for the brand. That's right. That's a good call. I mean, yeah, both of those spots were excellent. Ray, what do you got in this category? <clears throat> So both of those are fantastic spots, and War Games is one of my favorite cards of the year. Um, but when I thought of High Spot, I, the first thing that came to my mind was one we probably forgotten because it happened so long ago. But um, the biggest High Spot of the year to me was Kenny Omega won't, giving the one-winged angel to Sammy Guevara off of the balcony at the Jacksonville Stadium at the bank. That was crazy. And yes, it was more cinematically shot but just the fact that they took they did that bump in general is crazy um sammy guevara uh sasha banks converse, uh comments notwithstanding and almost killing matt hardy notwithstanding has had a pretty damn good 2020 um so that was a nice way to bring in the year um so i i i, I gotta go to that that's the biggest thing i think of i, I thought of when i thought of this the actual category and uh, I knew people were going to pick war games because of the recency bias, but uh, give some love to the whole year. Well, Ray, I am uh, 100% with you. I have the same spot for me. Kenny Omega's one wing angel stadium stampede match, double or nothing. Um, yeah. I mean, cinematic. Sure. Lots of padding where they landed. Absolutely. But the thing is so much could have gone wrong with that spot. If, if they just absolutely. fucked up a little bit. So you got to give it to Kenny and say, because they fell a good, what, 20, 25 feet? 20, 25, yeah, easy. At least. Easy. I, I mean, when you're talking something like that, inches can make all the difference. And the fact is, they pulled that off. As far as I can know, they're only going to shoot that shit one time. So uh, I thought it was. Oh, God, no, they're not doing it again. And it was a great way to end that match. You know, uh, uh, the way that the match should. I mean, yeah, the match should have ended like 20 minutes earlier in the bar when Hager gets a bottle smashed over his head. But instead of pinning him, we're going to walk away and drink some more. All right. That notwithstanding. But yeah, I'm with you. I thought when I thought of high spots this year, I thought yeah, it doesn't get any bigger than that. I mean, like Tony's saying flying, you think of flying as high spots. They flew more than anybody did. In that spot, so I, I'm with you, Ray. I got you, man. That was that's a good pick. We're gonna go to AJ for the next category. It is turn of the year, either a face turn or heel turn. What is your biggest turn of the year, my friend? So my big turn of the year is something that I'll, I'll take a little from Andrew here that the IWC has been wanting for years. We want Roman to be a heel. Let's have Roman be a heel. He's finally a heel. He's been doing great with it. Tony, are you saying all around there? <laughs> He's been doing great with it. Tribal chief, basically beating down every single person. He's come across to the point where I'm pretty sure, not actually, but wrestling-wise, he beat the ever-living crap out of KO. He beat the ever-living crap out of his own cousin. So he... 
he's definitely backing up the whole I'm an asshole, but I'm here. Get used to it persona. So Dave and Ray, you both have Roman Reigns written down as your answer here. Yes or no? Indeed. Indeed. Then do you mind do you mind if I go out of turn here and go after AJ? No, you got something different? Slightly. Uh, slightly. I I have I have co I have co turns. Co turns. And it's okay. It's Roman okay. it's Roman and Jay Uso. Okay. I think that's okay. important because I think the big part of the storyline is the fact that he so Jay, Jay Uso not only solidified Roman Reigns as a heel, but then also turned heel with him and able to do that because it was family. And that's how dynamic the storyline is. I mean, to me, if there was a storyline of the year, this would be the storyline of the year. Right. And I mean, maybe that's kind of rivalry of the year ish. We're used to it, but maybe that needs to be a separate category next year because Dave, like you said, this list evolves so much and that's usually been coinciding, but now it's not even the same thing if you think about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, Storyline and rivalry, I don't think, are, are usually not the same thing. They can be, but they're usually something different. I mean, you know, storylines can be so many but, different but things. But a lot of times, the, the rivalry of the year ends up being the storyline of the year, is what I meant. Right. Sure, sure. It doesn't have to be, and I agree with you that way, that I, I think the Roman Reigns story, the the whole tribal chief thing, um, is a is a tremendous story. But yeah, I mean, I was I was with, you know, AJ on this one. Roman, like he's saying, the IWC has been wanting Roman to turn heel forever. And I don't think any of us anticipated him stepping into this role. And, and, you know, because he was universally hated before the leukemia diagnosis. Then he came back and was universally loved. And then before he stepped away, you know, people were starting to boo him again a little bit here and there. The fact that he was able to come in and, and convince us that he was this monstrous prick, not easy when people already hate you to begin with. But, you know, he has done an unbelievable job with this heel turn. Can we also have the most confusing moments in the crowd of the year right before COVID hit when it was like, he's healthy again, right? Oh, yeah, he's totally fine. Fuck you, Roman. You're an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that's right. Google Google visit a remission real quick before we boo him. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> fantastic stuff. Do you have his blood results, blood test? Yeah, that sort of. All right, he's fine. He, he, he's cleared again. He's okay. Fuck you, Ray. You got any comments on the Roman Reigns heel turn? Since we're pretty much, I'm going to call this one unanimous. Even though Tony's got a slight yes. modification, but this is a unanimous one. What do you What do you think about Roman's heel turn? I appreciate you wanting to add Jay into it because of how closely they've been associated to the storyline. But I think it's important to note that Roman hasn't been healed since the shield. So Jay Uso has been healed very recently. So the turn meant more when Roman did it and the turn meant more how Roman did it. And I think it's important to note that there are turns because of us because of your feelings. And then there are turns basically because of association. I don't think Jay is a heel because he wants to be. I think Jay just scared of getting his ass beat by his, by his cousin. If Roman wasn't there, Jay would not be doing killish things. And that's the difference between those two characters to me. But I'm okay with it because they're so close together. But the answer is Roman. 
that like, and I don't think there's a if you're not including Jay, there's not a number two. Shout out to Evil and everybody else. It's Roman one, two, three, four, five. And what's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. List. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, on the topic of Roman Reigns, I did want to clarify one thing. The next to last category I sent you, it says wrestler of the year. Did you guys know that was male wrestler of the year? I just want to make sure you understood. Because then the last one is overall wrestler of the year. But I, I want to make sure you guys. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Everybody assume that. Cool. Now, with that being said, that little clarification. Now we're going to kick it to Ray to lead this one off. Brand, promotion, federation, whatever the fuck you want to call it, of the year. Which one of these companies stood out more than the other ones, Ray. So you guys know me. I'm a straight shooter. I come with the facts. Facts are, looking at everything considered, completely unbiased. I don't see how you can't give the year to AEW. I just don't. Um, they have they have led the ratings war. They've led the ratings war pretty much all year on Wednesday. They have had some of the biggest moments, controversial or not. They have grown substantially. They were the only only company until, you know, some shit happened in Orlando that was doing the testing correctly of COVID. I, you know, they've had big signings. They've had uh, John Moxley was the number one PWI uh, on the PWI. I, I'm an NXT mark. I am in a team NXT as far as it goes, and I've been a WWE stand my whole life. But if we're looking objectively, AEW's got to win this award. Well, since I'm next, I am going to agree with I Ray. I, I gave I know I, I gave it to AEW. I I know Tony's like shocked here, and here's why: to add on to what Ray said, um, they handled the pandemic a lot better than WWE did, and they still, in a lot of ways, are handling it better than WWE did. They, they, you know, when WWE had nobody in the arenas, AW is like, let's put some extras around the ring. Okay, now we've at least got some sort of interaction, and then WWE kind of copied that. And then AW said, well, let's put like some real fans back in the audience, but a limited capacity. But what was it like at Full Gear when Moxley came out, and there was what a thousand people in a ten thousand seat stadium? That those thousand people made a massive difference. Just the the organic feel of the reaction to that. So I think yeah, from a pure wrestling quality standpoint, I don't think AEW's beaten NXT or, you know, maybe WWE main roster. Maybe you could make that argument, but that's even debatable. But I think for what they've done, they've continued to grow. They beat Raw in the ratings a couple weeks ago. That's unthinkable. 
you know, a couple of, you know, I mean, that's insane. What, what Ray? Only the demos, only the demos okay. and demos on Mondays aren't the same as demos on Wednesdays, but I guess you, you look, you're cooking with grease. Keep going. Yeah. So I, I think that just where you look at the trajectory and, and what they've done lately with the whole thing where somebody had analogized it to the super friends where they're kind of joining up all these different wrestling companies. Like now we've got impact oh, involved. Good point. You know, Good point. Now we got impact involved. Who's next? Is Ring of Honor going to get involved? Are all these companies going to join? Yeah, AAA. Everybody going to join together? When when's NJPW going to show up? Because you know that's not far off. And when are they going to start doing these super cards that rival anything WWE can do? Um, I think that the fact that they've survived is not just survived but thrived as long as they have, and their fan base. And I am not an AEW mark. I'm not one of these guys who says everything that they do is fucking fantastic because I don't agree with that at all. But I just think, like you're saying, Ray, you look at facts, you look at stats, you look at trajectory. I got to give it to AEW. And and real quick, also, the the ancillary things matter too. They they're they're breaking into the mainstream. Cody Rhodes is on a mainstream TV show. Two of them, right? Snoop Dogg is gonna be calling one of their shows. They have an active storyline with Shaq. I'm not even bringing up the fact that they bring, they brought Sting back, who, while in-ring, brings nothing but name recognition. Recognition It's huge. I mean, I don't I don't agree with everything they do, but, like, they, they've done their thing this year. Got to give them all the credit. And the world. they got a video game coming out, which will be infinitely better than what 2K20 fucking was. And it's and not the even toy line. yet. The toy line is killing. Yeah. The toy line is killing. Like, you got to give them credit, man. Yeah, I mean, whether you like them or not, whether you want to jump on the bandwagon or not, yeah, you're right. You got to give them credit for what they've accomplished. PC, I know you're not going to agree with us on this one, but uh, go ahead, my man. Yeah, let me, uh, you know, bring out your umbrellas because I'm about to, you know, piss on your chair. Rain on our parade. Uh, yep, yep. That, you know, the two most important out of the three last things we talked about were WWE, not AEW. Granted, you know, AEW was there in the middle for a spot. The very thing that their own probably second most notable personality has criticized his own company for in JR. My brand company is WWE and as a whole. I mean, NXT continues to give you great storylines on Wednesdays. They're never going to beat AEW because you can watch NXT whenever you want. You can't watch AEW whenever you want, right? I mean, it, it, there's different ways of consuming things. So, the and you can't tell me that the NXT specials slash pay-per-views weren't better than the AEW pay-per-views. If you, if you think that that's not true, you're lying to yourself. Then you throw in the fact that I don't care that the ratings are down from Raw. I've really enjoyed what they've done with the storylines on Raw in the last maybe four or five weeks. I thought they've done really well changing it up a little bit, right? A little more hokey, uh, a few more things like the old Disney movies where it's like subtle jokes where the adults get it and the kids won't as we kind of tread that PG water. And then SmackDown, we already said, we got Roman Reigns over there. So you throw that in. And, and then you got the Thunderdome. And then don't forget, folks, a big part of the brand, the company WWE, is the network specials. We've all watched them. Nobody else is doing stuff like that that you're watching anywhere else. So 
in a year where things have been weird, I feel like WWE has done the best to adapt. It started at the Amway Center, and now it's at Tropicana Field, and it's even better. And then the fact that the network has continued to churn out specials that we all continue to watch and talk about. I will say this, and you're not wrong, okay? I mean, that I'm not going to say you're wrong. Um, the thing about Thunderdome, though, is while I enjoy Thunderdome and I like it, they really need to get some live bodies in there. I mean, that's why I like Capital Wrestling Center better than the Thunderdome. It's because there are a few live bodies in there. And then on top of it, too, that's part of the WWE yes. brand, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Capital Wrestling Center is amazing. I love, I the love, the Re- Re- love that place. So, it's so tight that the fencing is, is oh, it just brings everything together. It is. Well, AJ, who are you going to go with in this in this uh, debate? <laughs> Let's see. There's WWE. NWA. It's coming. It's coming. No, no. No. All Japan Pro Wrestling. No. I'm not going New Japan either. I'm Noah. I know that it's it. Noah's close. I'm not gonna lie. Noah was this. This was like one and two with Noah. I'm only gonna say this because, like we said before, with the high spot, we're trying to think of like longer in the year. We're trying to think the whole year, not just recent memory or right as COVID hit. Impact. Oh. Oh God! Ray, Ray's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only gonna go with I'm going with Impact for a few reasons. Half and half, kayfabe in real life. No, I'm oh, going boy. with Impact for a few reasons. One, one major one that I know everyone wants to forget about, and I know that I'm pretty sure we all forgot about with Tessa being the first women's world champion until she, well, went full Tessa. Because she was making headlines for Impact. she was. That is a big move. That's a big move. I give you that. Yes. And then with all the COVID stuff, you still have them. They had the empty arenas. They started off with all that. Slammiversary was a great pay-per-view. Then you got more people coming in because they got released by WWE. You have Chris Myers. You got the Good Brothers. Hell, you even got the Motor City Machine Guns back to do some of these great tag team matches when you already had great tag teams like the North, like a bunch of other people. So I'm going to give it to Impact because they handled COVID nicely. They're also very accessible, just like NXT is, where you can watch them on Twitch. They got Impact Plus as well. You can watch all their old stuff if you like old TNA or for whatever ungodly reason you really like the Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff regime from 2010, 2011. <laughs> Shout out to the immortal. Yeah, the immortal one. Yeah. Yeah, brother. <laughs> but I'm only giving it to Impact because not only did they make the headlines at the beginning of the year with Tessa, before Tessa Tessa, but they're bringing it also at the end of the year, too, with all the big names that they're bringing. And hell, freaking uh, Scott Demore probably has to be other than tony khan one of the most fun go with the bullshit executives you'll see on screen like how many how many presidents do you know or, or vice presidents will say fuck it let's do a talking shop of mania a boner yard match and be part of it and just shit on it and just have fun with it how many how many of the executives do you think will actually do that in wrestling today did did you did you not mention maybe the biggest thing from Impact? What, uh, what was the uh, biggest thing? Reviews at thechairshot.com. Anyway, 
year when Sammy hit Eddie in the head with the bat? I believe that was the end of last year. Didn't they do the Hall of Fame thing this year, though? Oh, The Rock, yeah. The Rock, yeah. They had The Rock show up to Impact Wrestling. He didn't show up. He did a video. Good job. He did a video, but he still showed up. You, it, oh, everyone, you, you saw it was the. On, it was on the pre-show, but okay. Saw. <laughs> so, can I ask a question? Sure. Can I ask a question? That is very outside of the box thinking, and I'm not gonna run in your parade. Like I'm Impact. I am known as Impact hater because I once loved Impact, and I've been burned and scorned. But my my only question to you is. I think the one thing that hurts your argument is Impact doesn't have a draw. Like no, I think it, it's I, people that usually like the old TNA or something like that. No, you're right, right? Right. I think what hurts them in a in an argument like this brand of the year is that literally a filler tag team at the bottom of Deb, of WWE's booking came in and instantly became their biggest draw. Walked in the door. Like you know, I think that hurts because everything else you said is dead on valid. I can't I can't dispute it. But I think that hurts them. And maybe that's just me. No, it makes sense. No, it does make sense. I mean, yeah, it, it is it's a gutsy call, AJ. I give you that one. It's it's one that I wasn't expecting. Uh, but hey, the fact that Impact actually had some resurgence this year lends some credibility to your argument that, you know, I mean, this is a brand that has been declared dead more times than like fucking Tom Petty was before they actually announced that he was really dead, that sort of thing. So the fact that they're not only alive, but you know, resurgent and thriving Driving. a little bit is, 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 is testament to just what a good year that they did have. So uh, good calls all the way around. All right. So we're on our second go around here. Uh, and the next category is pay-per-view of the year. And I'm going to lead this one off. And for me, I'm going all the way back to the beginning of the year. My pay-per-view of the year was the Royal Rumble. And it was just like, because this is the only of the major four pay-per-views where they had fans. And when you think about that event, yes, Becky beating Oscar and getting her win back was okay. It is what it is. Um, Edge's return. It's <laughs> just unbelievably iconic moment. The men's Royal Rumble match, in my opinion, was one of the best booked Royal Rumble matches in recent memory. Because it's almost like, yeah, you had the two matches in one. You had the Brock Lesnar stuff at the beginning where he eliminates almost half the field. Then you've got Drew coming in, taking out Brock, and, and you know, and you think about it. I mean, Drew McIntyre taking out Brock Lesnar at that point, and then taking out Roman at the end to win the Royal Rumble. Um, you know, Charlotte winning the Women's Royal Rumble, okay, another accolade for Charlotte. But that Men's Royal Rumble had so many really big moments in it and was booked so well. That just looking back at the year, I mean, AEW had some good events, WWE had some good events, NXT had some good events, but for me, yeah, the Royal Rumble was the best pay-per-view of the year. PC, what do you got here, man? I agree 100%. If we're going with everything inclusive, I'm going Royal Rumble for everything you just said, especially that men's Royal Rumble was phenomenal. It, it might have been the best Royal Rumble ever, um, at least top five. We'll we'll just leave it there. I don't I don't want to I don't want to argue too much about that. But I would say if we're going to disclude shows that had an attendance, I would go with Hell in a Cell. I thought Hell in a Cell delivered in a really really big way, and I wanted to give that a shout out because all those matches were just 
excellent the way they did them and they were all different in their own way you know I, I think I was on a couple of shows where we questioned why so many Hell in a Cell matches and why do we still have pay-per-views named after gimmick matches where these matches like this Hell in a Cell Elimination Chamber could be better used you know every few years to promote an off pay-per-view so uh, I just want to shout out both of those pay-per-views uh, all inclusive Royal Rumble most definitely yeah, if it was like empty or, I mean, non-attended stuff, I'd probably give it to War Games as, as my pay-per-view of the year. But um, AJ, what do you got in this category, my man? All right, now, for real, I agree with PC Tunney. I know, right? We call these Christmas miracles. I absolutely <laughs> love the Hell in Cell match. I reviewed it, and you could see it on the chair shot. I actually did it, and I think the worst match not including... The pre-show was probably, of course, the retribution match that they just threw in there that no one knew. There were three Hell in a Cell matches, and I'm pretty sure, in my opinion, the the one that wasn't the best, in my opinion, was the women's, and that was almost a four stars for me. So they brought it with all three of the Hell in a Cell matches. They had to throw in a retribution match because, you know, that was filler and whatnot. They continued the Elias Jeff story, which it was lackluster, but it also still made sense. It still branched off of Elias being a heel and being a dick, still thinking Jeff ran him over drunk. But the match that made the night was the opening match for me. It was that Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, I quit Hell in a Cell match where people can complain and say oh it really wasn't a match he was beating the crap out of him yeah but it told such a good story i cannot hate it I, i'll i'll let you leave if you just say i quit and i'm not gonna beat the shit out of you you're fine no i'm gonna fight you and you're a dead man again do you want to quit nah i really don't want to beat the shit out of you but you will not stop i will go to any lengths to make sure i do not kill you that by far made that entire pay-per-view beautiful for me. A Royal, the Royal Rumble was is good. I like it a lot. But that Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, chef's kiss. Nice. Yeah, it was a hell of an event, no doubt about that. Uh, you might be hearing from me later on about certain matches from that event. Ray, what do you got for your pay-per-view of the year? So I want to state that I was at the Royal Rumble this year. It was in Houston. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I was there. And uh, that's why I can't pick it, not because I was there, but because we remember the highs, but there were quite a few lows on that card. And um, not only were there a lot of lows, but that I can that's also the day Kobe died. So that it's, it's just it's it's not a good moment for me in terms of a pay-per-view. It is it is an also Royal Rumble match. The show. Yeah. Again, I'm looking at the whole year, and I appreciate you guys picking some stuff earlier in the year. The best card top to bottom to me, pay-per-view-wise, or super card-wise, was NXT TakeOver Portland. Run off the card for you real quick. Dijakovic versus Lee, the, the one match they got on a pay-per-view. Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai in a street fight. Um, Johnny Gargano versus Finn Balor. Broserweights versus the Undisputed Era, Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley, and Adam Cole versus Tommaso Ciampa. There was not, not only was there not a bad match in the card, there was not one wasted moment on that card. 
And that was in February. There were still fans. Fantastic show. Top to bottom. Swerves at the end with Gargano turning on uh, Ciampa because he didn't want Ciampa to win. You know, like, great. Everybody thought Bianca was going to be Rhea to, to make the NFC title match at WrestleMania Triple Threat. And Bianca had her best performance and just barely, like, barely lost um, the surprise of Raquel Gonzalez coming to help Dakota, which now we see how big of a move that was then. Fantastic card. I don't think any card can match its quality and consistency. So, like, every other card has had one or two duds. Six legit three and a half, if not four star matches. If that's your, if that's your thing, great card. Yeah, I I, re- I remember that. And when you read it down, I was like, oh yeah, I remember Portland was one of the the last takeover before. I mean, what Elimination Chamber was the last attended fan attended pay per view, and that one was just garbage. But uh, you know, yeah, that's a good call, Ray. I, I really like that. So. All good choices there. Excellently done. Is PC Tunney, is he still around? There, there he is. There's the best friend of the Attitude of Aggression right there. So, <laughs> Tunney, why don't you uh, head up the next category? It is promo of the year. Who cut the best promo in 2020? Well, to me, it's a series of promos, and if I had to pick one, I, you know, I'll sit down and pick one. It's probably one of the in-studio ones where, where you know, there's some smashing involved, but it's between... Chris Jericho and Vanguard one, you you can go through their interactions, and I mean, these are some of the best things that have happened all year. I mean, this is kind of mostly like I'm like Mick Foley to me is like my my favorite all time promo guy. His his promos involve darkness and humor at the same time. You know, like uh, if you go back to the late nineties and early two thousands, the things he was doing with The Rock and Austin and things of that nature. Go back to when WWE let him do promos before the matches. They were great. It was unbelievable. It was like sugar frosted testes or something was a cereal that he was like mentioning before he was going out to go out and have a match with The Rock for some reason. And this reminded me of that. And Jericho comes from that. And he's like the last pioneer of this age and the things that he can do. You know, they talk about like Shawn Michaels could wrestle a, a broomstick. Well, Jericho can have a promo with a drone. So there you go. Yeah, that's a good call, man. I like that one. Uh, Jericho can do it with anything and anyone. Uh, AJ, what do you got for uh best promo of the year? I'm, I'm not going to lie. I completely forgot about the Jericho Vanguard one promos that that's a good pick, but that's not what I wrote down. That is fantastic. I completely forgot about that. Handed him a shirt and it just flew away. If I was George Hamilton, the pick would have been fantastic. Go ahead. Uh, but the one that got a reaction out of me, yeah, it was good. Shut up. <laughs> the one the one that really got me, though, for promo was when Randy Orton kind of relived the legend killer again, where he beat down Christian, he beat down Big Show, before the whole SummerSlam thing where we see like the ghost of Punt's past come together. The promo for me was when he basically tore the Band-Aid that was Ric Flair off. Where he was like, yeah, I, I love you a lot. You helped me out. You, you did everything for me. When I had those two strikes and all the problems that I had, you were the one to help me. But you're trying to live through me, Rick. I'm not your son. 
As soon as he said that, I'm like, oh, he went read on that. That's no, oh, oh, they're actually, lights go out because, oh, Retribution might be fucking with the lights. Punt kick to make it safe. Flair's dead on the ground. Randy walks away. Drew calls him a fucking asshole. That was beautifully done, in my opinion. That was icing on the cake. That was Randy thinks he can still do it on his own, can do it on his own wanted to rip the last band-aid that it was in Ric Flair. He was like, Flair's holding me back. I got to do this so I can become the 14-time WWE champion, which he didn't get until Hell in a Cell. But that was, I just have no words. I actually, I'm like, you're an asshole. You brought up Reed and you kicked him after he had like hip surgery or something like weeks ago. That was a good day. I remember that one. It's just like, you're you're a has been Rick. You're holding me back, and all this other shit that was going on. Uh, that was that was a hell of a promo, Ray. What do you got here? Um, I got to go with a guy who was made fun of for a long time about the idea that he can't cut promos. I got to go with my tribal chief, Roman Reigns. But the particular, and first of all, any of the promos he's had since he's become the Samoan mob boss have been fantastic. Um, it's not I, the Samoan sex machine the Samoan mob boss well he's been the Samoan sex machine forever but now he's the Samoan mob boss as as Andrew um, Belaz would tell, would say yes as Andrew would always say yep. <laughs> the one in particular that comes to my mind though is the night after Clash of Champions when Jay Shut wouldn't up, quit Andrew. I butt chug salt water all the time <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> The night at the, at the Clash of Champions when Jay wouldn't acknowledge him as the tribal chief. Um, and he's he's in the ring. And first and foremost, the little subtle things they have when Paul's talking and Roman holds his hand out and Paul just stops terrifying, terrified and hands him the mic. And like Roman doesn't have to say a word, just puts his hand out. That's so dope to me. But this is the promo where Roman's talking about how he was like, I don't care that I won. He didn't acknowledge me. I need him to acknowledge me. And that's the promo where they talked about, we'll do the hell in the cell and you'll be out the family. It is so good. If you go back and watch it, it's like eight minutes of just joy and joy for me, but like beauty. And to see a guy who I've loved from the very beginning, finally, like everything clicked for Roman and he's never been a bad promo. He's just never been in it. And I think an engaging promo. Like that is the best part of Roman's promo skills right now is the fact that he got the Jake Roberts style. He doesn't raise his voice. That makes him so much more menacing because all the people are like, what are you let me tell you? That's not terrifying to me. You just talking all the talk. When Roman says something, I truly fear for people's like livelihoods. Yeah. Because like you know he mean that shit. Yeah, he um do you think he's still being scripted as much as he used to be? Because I don't think so. No, no, not at all. Um, there, I think there are definitely bullet points. Uh, backstage reports have said that Paulie is is writing, quote unquote, his scripts for him. But also, I know that Roman Roman brought this character to Vince and wanted to do this. So I think that so many of these ideas are his, and that. Well, if nothing else, here's proof positive. His best promos have been in the ring when he's wrestling, when he's trash-talking people. You can't script that. That's all yeah. off the top. 
He's talking to himself. So, yeah. So if yeah. that's as good as that is, he clear I, the other stuff's got to be that the same from the same place. Before I get to mine, a couple things about Roman. Like, I love how you bring up he just holds out his hand and Paul hands him the microphone. Now, contrast this to Paul's other client, Brock Lesnar, who never said shit. And Paul did all the talking. And and then uh, with Roman, Roman wants to talk because he can talk. Not that Brock can't. But uh, but that and, like, you raised the point, that promo that you're talking about where, you know, yeah, I beat him, but he didn't acknowledge me. It's like Apollo Creed and Rocky too. Man, I won, but I didn't beat him. You know, that sort of thing. So... It doesn't matter. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So those are all great picks. Uh, my pick for promo of the year was Becky Lynch announcing she was pregnant. And, and that was the one that really struck me the most because there was an element of realism in that because obviously she was pregnant. But the whole thing with, you know, as, as shitty as Money in the Bank was, and that was one of my biggest disappointments of the year, not the disappointment of the year, but one of my biggest ones, uh, you know, for that, for her to come out the next night and say and explain the situation and then to disclose to Asuka, who I get the distinct impression she did not know Becky was pregnant and that she got an actual organic, real reaction to finding out that Becky was pregnant. Because at the time, Asuka's still a heel. And in that one moment, in, in that one promo, Becky retires as being the man. The man's gone. Becky steps away from WWE. Asuka's the champion and gets flipped to a face all in the span of two minutes or something like that. Uh, so it was not the way I think I wanted, we, any of us really wanted the man character to come to a close. But boy, they, they really did that well. And the emotion between Becky and Oscar was real. And you don't get too many promos like that. So that one to me stood out as the promo of the year. All right. Cool. No comments. Awesome. I, I, I just as far as, as far as I know, you're absolutely correct that Asuka did not know, and that was her legitimate reaction. Yeah, she was yeah. actually shocked. Like, oh my god! But with, with well, Ray, with like, the Roman, brief. Yeah. No, that was that, that was good, especially the hand in the case to cash in. But with Ray, the other thing that I remember with the whole he doesn't recognize me as the tribal chief. Paulie trying to say like, "Oh, you're my tribal chief," and Roman just says, "Shut! I don't want your recognition." Shut up! I'm what exactly. Your, yes. re- your recognition means nothing to me. Nothing. I don't give a shit about you. Well, we just kind of. I think this is real, real quick. I'm sorry. I think this is the one category more than any of the other ones where the the honorable mentions are probably the most interesting as compared to any other category. Right. Because we didn't mention Bailey and how she turned on Sasha. You know, there's so many that we didn't mention, but I'm sorry, Dave, please. Edge's promo the night after the Rumble. I mean, that was a hell of a... That almost got it for me. Um, But we kind of mentioned, I kind of touched upon disappointing moments of the year. Um, And this one's going to head right over to the Mr. AJ Belaz, who's going to lead us off with his disappointment of 2020 as far as pro wrestling. Pro wrestling, AJ. Not anything else, just pro wrestling. What's your disappointment of the year? Uh, with pro wrestling in general, let's go all the way back to when we had a live crowd, but we still had to go somewhere else for that live crowd. I'm talking about the last Saudi show that we had <laughs> where Goldberg won the universal title, uh, Lesnar dismantled Ricochet in about 90 seconds. Take, take anything from that super showdown that they had in Saudi this year. Like, 
and not to mention all the BS where it was uh, every, like majority of the people got held up to. There was just a whole lot of wrong with that event in general. Like I, there's nothing. There's not one thing I can nitpick as a moment. It was just the Saudi show for 2020 in general for me. It was a bad one, man. There's no doubt. And, and they and they the one before that wasn't nearly as bad when the Fiend beat Seth for the title, and it really seemed like they were trying to stop just patronize the fucking Saudi fans. And then they went right back to it at that event. Yeah, that was, that was a trash heap, a dumpster fire. Ray, what's your uh, biggest disappointment of 2020? So for, I know I love, I love the big the sigh. I love the big sigh there. Like it's, it's so many options, but for me, nothing was worse this year than speaking out. Nothing. Um, and not just the idiot wrestlers who decided to use their very small, pun intended, platform to abuse like undeserving women and men and people, but the the, the but the company's responses to it. Why is Velveteen Dream still on on TV? Austin Theory is still on TV. So many of these people. Trent Seven is still on TV. So many people. Inv- Joe Coffey. It's still on TV. So many of these things are, and, and these people are still involved. And everybody, I'm speaking, I'm on the I'm on the guy who's the lawyer's show. So I get it. Everybody is innocent until proven guilty. But that's in the court of law. In the court of public opinion, in the court of business, that shit don't mean nothing. And to see these people, Matt Riddle, see these people with concrete proof and and and, and receipts. And I just the whole situation bothered me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm just in general, because I'm a human being who gives a fuck, but I'm also a father with two young girls. So, and two young girls who have interest in, in physical activities, sports. And at one point my daughter talked about maybe wanting to wrestle. And it terrifies me that, you know, my namesake, the dude Chaz and Rance still has one of the top wrestling schools in Florida. Like, what are we doing? Like, do we care that little about other people to where we, we, I don't want to get on my soapbox because there's too much more to talk about and there's too much longer, too long of a show. But we as a wrestling community and we as people in general need to do fucking better. No, you raise a good point that there's a, a lot of, uh, I mean, yeah, you're innocent until proven guilty. There's a lot of circumstantial evidence about a lot of these guys doing a lot of the stuff that's been complained about with little in the way of ramification. So yeah, that that's certainly a disappointment uh, that we've gotten to this point. Uh, my disappointment of the year is WrestleMania 36. Now don't get me wrong. It's not because the card was bad. The card was fine. The fact that they went forward with an empty arena WrestleMania was heartbreaking to me. Because it really brought home the fact that this is where we are. You know, COVID has had this big of an impact. And, and, and then they called it WrestleMania. And they tried to sell it on us as WrestleMania. And that thing felt so far removed from WrestleMania that it's like if you had called it anything else and you just gave it to me as look at this great two-day event, I'd say fucking perfect. But when they called it WrestleMania and tried to sell it as the same damn thing with nobody there, I mean, the only good thing that came out of it was the two-night thing, 
But for me, watching a WrestleMania go down in that environment with nobody there, with no interaction, I know Tunney's about to go off, and, and Drew McIntyre's big moment being done with no fan reaction at all was very, I mean, beyond everything else that happened this year, that to me was the biggest disappointment of the year for me was WrestleMania. PC, go ahead, what man. Do you, what do you expect from the company that finished the pay-per-view in which Owen plummeted from the very uh, top of the roof of the arena. I would have expected better, <laughs> but I should, I probably shouldn't have, I, you know, I get why they did it. You know, I get why they did it, but I, I just, to me, and you know, cause we talked about it on the TriCast right before there were, I was of the adamant opinion. This needs to be canceled, you know, or call it something else. Don't call it WrestleMania. This is not WrestleMania. And they went ahead with it anyway. So, that to me was was the big disappointment. Uh, PC, what you got for disappointment of the year? Uh, in retrospect, I completely agree with you. They could have called it like the ultimate in your house or something like that. You know, two night event, sleepover event, or whatever. Like back in the day when you know, you know, <laughs> WWE they started slumber in party. No, no, whatever, no, no, you know what I mean. No, I know. Nights, so whatever, you know, you used to sleep over by your friends, and then all of a sudden it was like you slept over Friday night, and it was like Saturday afternoon. It's like. Oh, my mom and dad said you could sleep over again, and then you just stayed the whole weekend by your buddy's house. You know what I mean? We've all been there, stuff like that. It, you know, throw back to stuff like that. I, I get you. I get you now on that. Um, go ahead, AJ. You were going to say something. I think everybody I, wanted to chime in on this. Actually, I was about to say. I think Vince, instead of calling it WrestleMania, he should have went to the original name that he wanted to call and just call it the Colossal Tussle Two Night Event. Would have been better. Would have made more that, that sense. Would've, that would also been a good callback too. Can can I also add to Dave's point about this being on the his choice is the the like the the dick measuring contest between Vince and the city of Tampa about are they gonna gonna are we gonna have it at the stadium are we not gonna have it well you guys got to cancel so I don't got to pay the money but you know you guys got to cancel that that was part of it too I think that was that was reprehensible in my opinion because ultimately. You're holding people's livelihoods up because those tickets are not cheap. I've been to three. So Yeah. Yeah, I've been to four. They're not cheap at all. And then the bullshit going on with WrestleCon and the hotels that were happening around there and all that nonsense as well tied into WrestleMania weekend. Just an absolute clusterfuck. Yeah. Tony, what do you got for your disappointment of the year, man? Okay. So when I decided on what my disappointment of the year was going to be. I started to write it down, right? And I, I, I started to write down, I wrote A, E, W, and then there was going to be more. And, and then I just stopped writing. That was it. <laughs> you know, I, I would be surprised if I was going to go with you for nine months already. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but I want to be honest with you. I came up with that line because that's a true fucking story. That's exactly what happened. That's real life. Like I, yeah, I'm, I'm like almost getting to a point where I might be considered good at what we're doing one day down the road. Right. You know, if you do it enough, but like that actually happened in real life. I'm not good enough to make up that line that you guys all enjoyed right there. That literally happened. I went to write down AEW women's division and I wrote down AEW and like my pen unclicked, and and then I looked down. I was like, no, that's that's about right too as well. That's 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 the same thing actually, because what happens when you don't 
develop the characters at the right time and your storytelling is bad and then one of the main people that make your company viable and Jim Ross goes ahead and says that the way you conduct yourselves in the ring is, is pretty much crap. I mean, what the fuck are you doing? Now, I'll give you a pass like I always have in the past, a short pass, that it is a short past, and we're still growing and building to this, right? But at the same time, I'm disappointed at the overall spectrum of AEW to this point. I, I didn't have the bar real high, and they still failed to even grab it like they're not even trying to do the pull-up they're still trying to get to the bar dave so the bar was on the ground and aw tripped walking over it is what you're saying we could sit here for the next three hours and talk about things that we don't like uh, about aw regardless uh, we could, of we whether could. or not you're a fan of aw or not right i, I mean there's so many things they could have done better and honestly if you go ahead and look at i i think you head over to the chairshot.com and check out Andrew. Check out Andrew Blaz. He's got his match of the year stuff and like promotion of the year stuff. And AEW, I think, is right at the bottom of the list. And that's a guy who's way more informed than I am. You know, I, I love how I love how Ray love- and I had AEW as our brand of the year. For Tony, it's <laughs> disappointment of the year. <laughs> Tony just went fuck that's, you. <laughs> that's top five Tony moments of all time. I want you to know I'm in legit tears crying from that. That is hilarious. <laughs> AJ, you got anything on this? I got nothing. I think Tony just solidified that perfectly. Yeah. I'm not even going to deny Why that. Your brother back me up on this. Your brother would back me up right now. <laughs> oh, no, he would. He, he would. he would rather butt chug salt water than watch AEW for a week. <laughs> I, that's That's probably true. Well, let's go to a comeback wrestler of the year. And Ray, you get to lead off this category, which I, I expect this might be a unanimous one, but let's see what happens here. What do you got for comeback wrestler of the year? Adam Copeland, full stop. Adam Cole, baby. Oh, sorry. Adam Copeland. Got it. Uh, yeah, it's edge for me I, as well. I see the rest of my time. Yes, I see the rest of my time. <laughs> I don't yes. know. There's no conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Edge. I mean, he's he's the Alex Smith of WWE, even more so, because Alex was only gone for two years and Edge was gone for nine. PC, uh, are you with us on this, or you got somebody else in mind? I, I didn't put Edge down. <gasps> There's a, did your pin stop clicking still from the AW? <laughs> did it stop working? He also, no, he also left us though. He also left us at the same time. Yeah, he he deserves it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go outside the box again, like I did uh, at the other time, right? Like I guess officially, if we were all sitting in a room and we had to vote on it, you all would look at me and I'd be like, okay, yeah, Edge. But to me, it's a guy who was supposed to retire. At the end of last oh. year, in the ring, become a full-time producer. Okay, call. and it's not only done himself a favor, but the business a favor. That being the WWE and the business of Hurt MVP has been phenomenal and amazing. Not only in the ring, but carrying the WWE television-wise. The guys, the guys, amazing. He's the reason that the people surrounding him are relevant. And it's the reason why he's been a factor in the business for so long from new Japan to WWE. And then what he did away from WWE and then coming back once again. So I, I, you know, 
if I had to legitimately sit down and give it to somebody that made a comeback, I'd give it to Edge. But what MVP's done and being full-time is where I'm looking more time is uh, I give it to him because honestly, guys, think about what they could do if they actually wanted to with the Hurt Business right now. They have a lot of gold. What if the storyline was MVP going to try and win that Royal Rumble to fill out the group and possibly challenge at WrestleMania? Think about that. That'd be a great opponent for Drew McIntyre. He's already coupled with them. We've been trying to figure out what Drew McIntyre is going to do. Is it going to be Keith Lee? Is it going to be uh, uh, Sheamus? Is it going to be Orton? Is is it going to be you know Brock Lesnar coming back? So I out of time there. I apologize, but MVP deserves his he deserves his flowers, as Platt would say. That's a uh, that's a really good call. I mean, I I didn't think about it in that respect, but that's an excellent call. I like that one, PC. Uh, AJ, what do you got? Who's your comeback wrestler of the year? I like the MVP pick, especially since if you think about the three guys that are in the Hurt Business, what were they doing before? Cedric Alexander was rarely on television. Bobby Lashley is in a shitty like love triangle angle with Lana and Rusev. And freaking uh, Shelton Benjamin was not getting paid by the <laughs> was, WWE. Was he even on in the WWE? He was there. Know. He was aiding the catering. No, okay. he was, he's been signed for like four years. Yeah. yeah. He's just eating catering. Well, he was hurt. He was hurt. They were waiting for the right thing for him to do. Like they signed him and then he got hurt. Remember, he was supposed to come back like what a 24, 30 months ago. Well, he did. He he did the tag team with Gable. He's been back. Shorty G. He's just been eating. But he got hey, hurt. Uh, Shorty G could have got honorable mention for disappointment of the year as well. But uh, just hey, the name, God. just the fucking Shorty name. Said that. He got rid of it. He shed that off. I know. MVP and now a, good- a side moment for the Swaggies. Finally, Shorty G has lost the basketball shorts. Back to you, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> but no, MVP is a good pick. I like that a lot. MVP maybe winning the Rumble or maybe even Keith Lee winning the Rumble because MVP now has a new backer, that the big man. That I like that idea. But from one Adam Joseph to another Adam Joseph, I got to give it to Edge. <laughs> Yes. I like that. I, There's no explanation needed. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's all you can say. So on that note, I mean, because we can't really elaborate on anything there, let's uh, switch over. Let's uh third, third time through the rotation breakout star of the year. Also could be called rookie of the year, but it's more appropriate as breakout star of the year for me, guys, it's only one. And, and, and I was actually listening back PC to DWI podcast, 255, the lamb and tuna fish episode. And we were talking about this exact subject. You would ask the question on pot is war, whether this guy was not only MVP, but rookie of the year for NXT. It's gotta be Pat McAfee is the breakout star of the year. There, there, there can be no other choice in my opinion to take a punter. No offense to punters, but yeah, some offense to punters. Fuck you guys. But you know, you get a punter out there who, Steps in the ring with Adam Cole, puts in the performance like he did that first match, then creates this brand, and then actually has the balls to step inside of a War Games match, and then hit one of the high spots of the year, according to us. And and, and like what you guys said on that on that episode, listening back, Pat McAfee keeps things old school. Like he's wanting to keep kayfabe alive or something, showing up on his own show in a neck brace, selling all this shit that he's doing. It's remarkable for an outsider 
to be more loyal to the old school tradition of the business than most of the guys who are in the fucking business right now. So yeah, Pat McAfee gets breakout star of the year for me. PC, what do you got here? Um, <clears throat> before I agree with you, I want to say breakout star on the commentary side is Samoa Joe. Absolutely. Uh, if he if he can never wrestle again, then I am thrilled that he is going to be the counterpart to Corey Graves. We have Corey Graves and we have Samoa Joe, and these are two guys who are legitimate and in the business, and they're legitimate behind said microphone and, and, and under those under those earphones. So kudos to them. I agree 100% Pat McAfee. You know how I feel. We, we've talked about this before. I'm not going to take up a lot of time here. But WWE would be best at some point to have, you know, McAfee and a group head on up to whether it's Raw or SmackDown. If he, if he wants to do it. I mean, that would take a full-time commitment. And I'd love to he see that. He wants to do it. I hope he does. I can't believe they haven't done it. I can't believe they haven't done it under these circumstances where it doesn't take a lot for him. He can be right there where they are. I mean, it's it's all centralized right now. There's no traveling. They, it's the best time they to be a not, WWE superstar in the history of the WWE. But they may not pay him as much as he's making on his own. So, No, but he can do what he's doing on his own in addition to what he's doing. You know, he can he can say, you know what, for the next two to three years, whatever kind of contract he wants to sign uh, right now, I love this. I want to make my name in this like I've made my name in so many things. And it's going to further what he's going to be able to do afterwards on a limited basis. If I just take the time to do this in addition to what I'm doing now, he can really grow, grow, you know, something for the brand. You know what I'm saying? For, for the brand. It's got to be for the brand. That's all that matters. AJ, what do you got here, man? See, I was going to pick Pat McAfee. I was. If it said rookie of the year, I definitely would have been like, hell yes, Pat McAfee. I know he's only had two matches, but he literally brought it. He, like I, like we said before, he had the neck brace on for war games, joking around saying that he like might have separated his uh uh, T1 and T2 vertebrae they actually had the neck brace, kept saying, yeah, I have to sit on a donut. Freaking uh, the Adam Cole match, he actually was limping around because he like kicked the steel steps. If it said rookie of the year, yes, I would have agreed with Pat McAfee. It says breakout, though. It was my thing. Breakout for me, and I can get a lot of humbug because I'm going to be talking about uh, Ray and Tony's favorite company again. I'm going to give it to Chris Bay. Chris Bay has been okay. making a lot. He's been doing good. I'm not saying he's a rookie by any means necessary. I know he's been doing it for a while. But the ultimate finesser actually going out. Everyone remembers the old X division back in the day where it was. You'll never see this with like Elix Skipper doing the, the high spot off of the cage that apparently they never even rehearsed or the unbreakable three-way against Daniels, Joe, and, and uh, AJ. Chris Bay is probably the most X-Division person in Impact right now from the old days, where he has the strength, he has the athleticism, he has everything that you could wish for. And not only for Impact, 
New Japan too. He was in the Super J Cup, which he deemed the Super Bay Cup, and he wanted to win that. He put on a performance like no other on that one. So I got to give breakout to Chris Bay, but if it was rookie, FTB for the brand, let's go, Pat McAfee. It's a good call, man. I like that one. Didn't didn't think about that, but then again, you know, it's impact, that sort of thing. But anyway, uh, Ray, yeah. what, what do you got here, man? I'm a Chris Bay fan for the record. That's a fantastic pick. It's wrong, but it's a great pick. Because <laughs> the answer is Pat McAfee. And let me, I want to use your wording. Because it, it's there is a distinction, ever so slight, but it's a distinction between Rookie of the Year and Breakout Star of the Year. But I seed you this. Solely because of Pat McAfee, ESPN has covered WWE on TV much often, much more often. Right? They built up to the Adam Cole match on Get Up. The match was made on Get Up yeah. officially. Right? Triple H was on Get Up multiple times this year because of Adam, because of Pat McAfee. Adam Cole is now bigger worldwide than he's ever been because he's feuding with a legitimate sports star. He's not a star because of his playing sports, but he's a star in sports nonetheless. Um, the the consistent talk NXT has given on Pat McAfee's top-rated uh, show every morning is big, t- big talk, right? So not only is he the breakout in that he's had the best promos in, in, in NXT. He's had two top-notch matches in NXT. He's given two of the best wrestlers in that company, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, the first uh, the first direction they've ever had since signing with that company, right? The fact that he's the reason Pete Dunne came back, and Pete Dunne is maybe better than he's ever been. I'm talking U.S. NXT, not NXT in general. Um, but he's 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 the reason for that. And we missed the fact that he could have been the single-handed reason why um, Rich Holland could have been a superstar until his leg imploded. Uh, so it's not just the matches and the promos. It's everything around it. He has made NXT. He's done more for NXT than any other, than more than Ciampa, more than Gargano, more than Shirai, more than Ripley, more than Balor, more than Cross. More than Lee, he what McAfee has done for NXT is is bigger than the NXT title being defended at WrestleMania, because he has actually put it in places that brand where people will notice and understand and be interested by that show. All of McAfee's um, anything he does in the ring is all over ESPN and SportsCenter or Get Up or First Take or this or that. So when you say breakout, like my man broke out of the wrestling spectrum and made NXT break out of the wrestling spectrum. So yeah, Chris Bay, he's not a rookie, but this was the year of the ultimate finesser, 100%. That match he had with Rich Swan, I watched that. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I just think this, this isn't his year compared to Pat McAfee. Like Pat McAfee killed it this year. It's an interesting story because PC will know this because he's been on this in the past. It used to be called Rookie of the Year. And I switched to the Breakout Star of the Year because there are so few pure, real rookies in pro wrestling. Pat McAfee's actually a pure rookie because he never, he never stepped in the ring before. Um, so, but, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's all great calls, good discussion all the way around. I love your guys' opinions on stuff. 
PC, what's what's up, I, man? I I might forget to do this later, but if I was gonna truly pick a breakout star of the year and 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 less be tied to rookie of the year, it would be a, a man named McIntyre. Don't 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 dwell on that. Let's just move forward because we're gonna yeah. get to that. Yeah, that that might be true. <clears throat> Speaking of, uh, well, let's see where you go with this thing. I'm wondering about this myself. PC, lead us away on your pick for rivalry of the year. 100% Sasha and Bailey, without a doubt. It carried us through the early times and into, once again, like some kind of uh, a little bit of clarity in what's been happening. These two have been going back and forth forever. Their connection is amazing. I mean, the matches they've had, we're going to get to that. And then just like the way their characters have evolved, right? I mean, we went back and forth, you know, heel and face, face and heel. It's been great. I I just enjoy them both. And now it's great to see, you know, Costco Reeves on uh, The Mandalorian. Exactly. I'm going to give more love to Bailey later, so I didn't want to dwell on that. I, I have uh, I have so much more love for the two down the road. So th- this is ding dong, hello, rivalry of the year right here. Yeah. AJ, what do you got for rivalry of the year, my friend? I also got Bailey and Sasha going. The, the perfect friendship. Everything's going great. Tag team champions. Hell, we even have both of the singles titles at the same time. And then we get this slow little roll. I mean, if you listen to us on DWI, we kind of had a better scenario where this all blows over at Mania somehow, where the draft happens and they might get split up. So Sasha has to win the Rumble in order to face Bailey. But we, I digress. That was one of the best storylines that we've probably seen out of WWE in quite some time, where we know it's going to blow up. This is basically Savage and Hogan with them with... They're taking over everything. They are the biggest things that we have so far for the women's division. Because, what, what, honey? No, 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 finish. Okay, because we had, you know, Becky was pregnant, so she had to leave, of course, obviously. That's priority number one. Charlotte was hurt. They didn't call up Rhea. They didn't call up EO. They didn't call up anyone. The other two horsewomen bringing it, making a bunch of good stories, a bunch of good matches separate against each other. That has to be the rivalry of the year. So before Dave and, and Ray give their opinion here and possibly stray from what we're already talking about, it, it seems almost as if WWE not only has the turn of the year, but the rivalry of the year. So why not are they not the company of the year? as you guys continue in this subject, is my fleeting question. Be- because it's like it's like comparing the NFL to college football. It's like the oh, biggest companies okay. is always going to have the best stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> just, is that fair, Dave? That's fair enough. I mean, I, there there's aspects that WWE certainly did better than AEW and no, no doubt about that. I'm just saying overall looking at taking everything into consideration, the totality of the circumstances, I would still give it to AEW. But uh, anyway, uh, Ray, what's your opinion here on rivalry of the year? Cause we could, we could debate with Tony for, you know, the next hour and who wants to do that next time, next, whatever show we're all on. That's a legit art. That's a legit debate. We can go into in depth. I think An hour long. It's a real question. 
I, I was about to say, if, 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 we good do have, if we do have this debate and an argument, I need to go grab a new bottle. Yeah, <laughs> grab me one too, AJ. I, gotta, I, I need to grab a bottle, thing. and I don't drink. I got, a, I got a perfect thing for you, Dave. Why don't you be the judge of kangaroo court and come up with firm opinions on each side and you conduct kangaroo court? That's uh, certainly a, a, a possibility. We will have to we will have to revisit that in 2021 once this shithole of a year is behind us. But Ray, what do you got for your rivalry of the year, man? So I think in terms of just pure rivalries, I, Sasha and Bailey, and I think McIntyre Orton were better. But when I think rivalry of the year, I think both of those feuds lasted two or three months. You guys are going to grow. But the but the rivalry of the year to me was the Mysterios versus uh, Seth Rollins, the greater good. The reason being, they started I feuding. Really don't like when, when someone tells me what to do, but uh, <laughs> uh. they started feuding back in October, right? And they didn't stop feuding until last month. Also, add to the fact they've had really good matches in between, but look at all the people that have been involved in this feud. Dominic made his debut. Murphy finally got a big push out of it. Um, we've got the introduction of Aaliyah and uh, Angie Mysterio, which is yeah. Alster Black was involved and turned heel because of this feud. Um, Humberto Carrillo got the only TV time he got all year because of this feud. The AOP initially were a big part of the feud because they were the ones that caused Seth Rollins to turn. Joe and KO. KO got his first mania win and moment out of this. It all started with Ray and with Seth. So, and then, and more importantly, it encompassed the majority of the year. So, I I, I got to go with 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 that. Um, and also, this is probably the only chance we'll get to really talk about the beauty that was Seth Rollins' hill turn all year, because he's been forgotten about based on so many other great performances by other people. Um, but show some love to the Mysterios versus the greater good and Seth Rollins. I, I, I really do think, while they may not have had the best moments in terms of rivalries, in totality, they, they got to have it. I mean, it's it's a good call, Ray, because... It's an example of how WWE can do, um, you know, long-term booking if they really want to. And and they can yeah. do it pretty well if they really want to. They just, you know, get lazy and say, we got to hot shot this shit, shit to the end. But yeah, like you're saying, Seth and uh, the eye for an eye match notwithstanding, because that was just absolutely dumb as fuck. But beyond that, there were some really good moments through the year between them. AJ's laughing because he remembers that episode. I- I'm I'm more surprised that that wasn't one of the disappointments. I'm actually somewhat proud of all of us. <laughs> that I should have done that. Yeah, the eye for an eye match. Pat yourself very hard with yourself, AJ. Um, my rivalry of the year. I I love the calls on Sasha and Bailey. I do, but I went in a direction. Ray had mentioned it while he was talking about his. Mine's Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for rivalry of the year, simply because. Sasha and Bailey, you know, they weren't rivals for most of the year and, and they, it was building and building. And then they had a couple of really excellent matches, but I look at Randy and I look at drew and I look at the promos that they cut on each other. And then you look at what they did. You've got three, well, four distinctly different matches that these guys did involving the WWE championship. You had the straight up match at SummerSlam that didn't end the way you were thinking backslide pin and it's over. 
Then you had the ambulance match, which we were all adamantly convinced this is where Randy Orton takes the title, and he doesn't. Then they go to Hell in the Cell where you're like, oh, Randy's shot is low. It's not going to happen here. Randy wins the title. And then they fuck you over again thinking, well, why would they put the belt back on Drew right before Survivor Series? But they did. So everywhere they went in that rivalry where they kept you guessing with things that you thought were going to happen, didn't happen. And, and that rivalry, I mean, it started with Edge, yes. But the Drew McIntyre-Randy Orton rivalry was where Randy Orton, he didn't get my vote for promo of the year. But if I'm looking at cumulative promos of the year, Randy Orton wins and there's nobody close to him because he has done an amazing job with his promos this year. But I just love this series of matches between Drew and Randy. They carried the the WWE championship scene for, what, three, four months, which is hard to do in a, in a COVID era. Gets my pick for rivalry of the year. On we go to moment of the year, and this one is all about Mr. A.J. Belaz. Uh, what do you have for your moment of the year in this crazy year that was 2020, A.J.? My moment of the year, and I know we've talked about it millions of times already, you know, it all had to start, and I don't mean when he came in, beat the shit out of Strowman and, and The Fiend. I mean when the whole contracts and everything were being signed, Bray signed it, Strowman signed it, and then you have Roman declining at first. And then at the end of that SmackDown, he goes... I'm going to win the Universal Championship. And that's not a prediction. Looks to the side. That's a spoiler. Roman siding with Heyman was probably the biggest moment that I've ever seen. Where I'm like, oh, he actually went with Heyman. He is going to be a dick. This is the heel turn. (laughs) He's actually going to be the Samoan ass kicker. The man that doesn't give a shit what you say. Wreck everything and leave to quote my brother, the Samoan sex machine. And he's ran with it ever since. So I got to say him looking over to the off camera and saying, that's a spoiler. And you see big Paulie. He doesn't have the, the telephone in his hand. He doesn't have that giant brick, but that was definitely a, Oh my God. That was a hell of a moment. That's a great call, AJ. That's a one that I I didn't think about it at first, but now that you mention it, it's like, wow, that is a holy shit moment. Ray, what is your moment of the year for 2020? Can moment of the year be the fact that somebody actually read their contract? Because oh. Roman actually read the contract he signed for the first time in history. <laughs> I don't have to show up to the mat in the match until I want to. I got you. Um, no, uh, my moment of the my moment of the year was Dave. Your promo of the year, Becky Lynch being pregnant. Ultimately, all this shit don't matter. At the end of the day, they're gonna go home to their families. And in a year with COVID, where so many people have lost their families, or so many people have had to get close to their families, the fact that at honestly, I think unarguably the biggest star in the business at the moment says, "Nah, wrestling's my my family's more important." I'm having a baby. Here's the title. You know what I mean? Like that is, I think that's the biggest going out on top like that. And you know, she'll be back, but, um, the decision to let her beat Shayna at WrestleMania, um, Oscar's response, which we've all gushed about, which was seemed genuine and so beautiful. Um, yeah. Shout out to Becky and the baby. They just had it. Didn't they? They just yeah, had the baby just a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. Congrats. So that's to them. for me. That's it. Yeah. That's that's a great call as well. Um, for me, uh, let's see. My well, dogs are going crazy here. My moment of the year uh, happened at an event you were at, Ray. You talked about it earlier. You were at this event, and it's got to be Edge's return. That that was the moment of the year that actually like almost kind of brought. You know, I mean that that got me a little bit misty when you watched Edge come out because. I remember going into the rumble. There was all this speculation. You know, there were a lot of rumors. Edge was going to come back in the back of your mind. You're thinking, no, they're not going to do that. Edge can't come back. He's, he's too hurt when his music hit and he came out and that place lost its mind. And then I think the moment that got me was when edge is walking down to the ring and he stops and you could see the moment settle upon him that Holy shit. I'm actually here. This is really happening. The, the look in his eyes where you saw not tears, but almost tears. Uh, nothing like that. Nothing came close to that this year for me. That was that was the moment of the year for me. Edge returning, and that pop he got, and and I mean just and then him coming in and spearing McIntyre and spearing Dolph, and man, what a what a moment! And then he almost damn near won the fucking thing. So Edge's return to me gets moment of the year. Yes, Ray. I just just real quick. I've been to a lot of wrestling shows. I've had been to a lot of pay-per-views, a lot of major Raws and SmackDowns. I've been to multiple WrestleManias. The only moment I've seen that that had a bigger pop was Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. And that's the biggest pop I think we've ever we've seen since, since the Attitude Era. That crowd in that building, the top came off. Mm. So I just want you to, I, I need you guys to understand as crazy as it came off on TV, it was even like we were we were in there holding each other crying. So excited. I need y'all to understand. So I need you to understand though that many of those moments have been crushed audio wise by the WWE for fans watching outside of the people that are there. So there have been That's those real. moments. Mm. I, Dave and I have argued about things that I've been to and he's been to where we said there's been booze, and on on audio, TV wise, you hear cheers. So, I, I mean, I could still tell you the loudest, the biggest pop I've ever experienced was WrestleMania 32 when fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin came out. That play, I mean, Gator you was were there too. I was there, yeah. Gator was there was with there. me. We yeah. almost had a heart attack screaming so loud for Stone Cold. You were there, right? So you heard that pop. I mean, in that stadium, yes, but Cena's pop was bigger. Was it? I don't think so. Cena's pop was bigger. Maybe where you were sitting. Because people didn't expect to see Cena. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I, Austin is always... Anyway, I digress. Uh, Tony, what's your moment of the year, man? Moment of the year. Well, my moment of the year kind of ties two things together. And one is when Roman Reigns showed up at SummerSlam. And the fact that my good friend right here, my best friend, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the attitude of aggression himself, master, called it uh, right after, I think, right after a podcast we did. Right after we he, did, he got done recording, me. yeah. Hey, he messaged me. He's like, this is this is it. After, after us, you know, putting our thing together like we do, you know, he, he came to this conclusion. And, and to me, his conclusion and messaging me is the moment of the year and it coming to fruition. <laughs> It solidified it for me. So, like, seriously, you officially got a moment of the year on your very own Swaggy Awards. That's kind of cool. I mean, it was interesting. I, I remember texting Tony, messaging him, saying, 
hey, you know, what if this whole thing, you'll never see it coming, ha- involves Roman Reigns? No one else was saying that. Nobody no. else said that. Nobody else that I know of. A lot of people message me back and forth. I'm on a lot of shows, everything else. I didn't hear anybody else writing it. I mean, until you said it, I didn't see anything else about it. I will be and happy boom. to take full credit for that. Absolutely. I I, I, I own it. I own it. So <laughs> Roman's return at SummerSlam was, was, uh, was a hell of a moment. Uh, let's move on, though. Let's keep the train rolling here. Let's go to Ray to tell us what his pick was for upset of the year. Okay. Um, this was this was probably the hardest one for me to like really delve in because I mean, you know, I'm 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 assuming some of you if you guys went to Japan route might have evil beating Naito. Um, but my upset of the year is Leon Ruff beating Johnny Gargano to win in it to and win a North American championship. For so many reasons. Number one. Hey Ray, it's shout it's, out to it's my pick too. So go on, oh, brother. Okay. Okay. Go on, man. All right. Well, thank you. Um, um, the fact that the kid got a contract off the off the backs of being so loved in the back because he made people look so good. That like that's facts. Like he came from over from Evolve, took like three black masses and like made them the best that he's ever looked. And like people loved him so much in the back that everybody was fighting over who got to use him so they could squash him. And like my man got a contract off of, off of that, to the fact that it made it kept the whole idea that Gargano can't defend a title. Um, the the fact that it elongated, I think, a fun feud between Priest and Gargano, and my favorite moment of that entire thing, the whole wheel thing, is hilarious to me. But was when they put the belt around him and it fell to the floor because he's so skinny. Beautiful television. And man, the kid deserves it. He's a hard worker. He's he's actually really good in the ring. Um, and you know, it continues the idea that people think WWE is the land of the giants. You got a five foot nine hundred and forty five pound dude who was your secondary champ, one of your major brands. So you know, shout out to Leon Ruff, man. And he just got engaged to uh, Asia Smith. So good twenty twenty for the kid. Yeah, I mean, it was my pick as well. It, it just like he's like like you're saying, Ray. He's just a guy who came out of nowhere. You're looking at this thinking, oh, this is a Gargano squash match against this kid. Uh, who, who the hell is Leon Ruff? You know, that sort of thing. And then the next thing you know, he's NXT North American champion. And then he, he he's, and then I think of that triple threat match at, uh, where is it, at War Games, right? When Johnny won the title yeah. back. He really showed what he could do in that match. I mean, he didn't win, and you knew he wasn't going to win. I mean, well, I say that, but as the match went on, you started to almost believe in him a little bit. Like, man, this kid might be able to pull this shit off. Uh, but... Mm-hmm. He just it just came out of nowhere. And if if I swear if PC, if you or AJ says Lana beating Nia Jax, I'm gonna be really upset with you. So uh, you know, that sort of thing. I, I just I just just saying that right now, you know. Uh but anyway, I, I, I agree with you, Ray. I think that this kid coming out of nowhere, winning a title, beating a guy like Johnny Gargano, that's the upset of the year for me. PC, please don't disappoint me. What do you got for upset of the year here? Upset of the year. Oh yeah, Tucky. I mean, Otis winning the Money of the Bank, <laughs> which could also be disappointment of the year as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my upset of the year. I mean, the guy didn't even he he did not even literally make it one rung up the ladder, but he 
still won the money in the bank. That's an upset, folks. That's an upset. He, and he should be upset, yes, about how he got handled in the storyline with said briefcase. You the real upset right. of the year is the fact that he kissed Mandy Rose. That's an upset. That is an yeah, upset. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that is an upset. Could be disappointment of the year to a lot of people, but it's an upset. No, the the disappointment for that is he lost Mandy yeah. and Tucky and Tucky. Yeah, what a what a what a shit year for Otis. But now he's got Gable teaching him, so it's going to be okay. AJ, what's maybe your uh, what's your upset of the year, man? What's that? Maybe with everything he's lost, he'll find a career. Sorry, maybe. Wow. Well, well you he know, was going where he was. So go ahead. Well, you know, someone mentioned it upset of the year is Lana being sole survivor. No, I'm kidding. God, no. God Christ, no. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's okay, Ray. Actually, you mentioned what my upset of the year is already. I, I love the Leon Ruff. I, I like it a lot. I kind of had the feeling, though, with the whole wheel, and it's like, <laughs> it's weighted to be the jobber. I, I had a feeling I'm like, Gargano's getting a little too cocky of himself i think he's losing it mine though is the other one that you said evil becoming double champion beating naito because i'm not knocking on evil nor if you actually saw him in roh before he got the gimmick watanabe knock him knock him go ahead like a door knock just all the way down the the, the door knock the hell out of him go ahead please (laughs) but like I said, he's, I'm not saying he's bad. He's not bad at all. I actually got to watch him live uh, at the freaking Hammerstein Ballroom when they did the New Japan Live last year. And he was entertaining. It got a little delayed, and he actually cut the best promo because two-hour delay. And he goes, it is very late. It's very dark. New York is evil. New Japan is evil. Everything is evil. And he got like probably one of the biggest pops that wasn't Okada or Sonata at that time. So him not only dumping LIJ, joining the Bullet Club, improving. Yeah, I actually can do it. I have what it takes to actually be a leader. I don't need Naito to be a star. I am a star. Watch me. Drops Naito, one, two, three. We have a new double champ. Granted, it didn't last that long, but we have a new double champ. And Evil proved he is as good as he looks. That, and he's also uh, marrying, or he's engaged to Io Shirai, so you lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> well, th- those are all great calls, guys. I mean, uh, Leon Ruff, the uh, if Evil's winning that thing. I mean, phew, all, all fantastic calls. Excellently done, fellas. Yeah, yours too, Tony. Exactly. <laughs> Just <laughs> uh, well, all right. So now we're getting into the section of the show where we're talking match of the year, and and these are broken down into tag, women's, men's, overall that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to lead this off with my pick for tag match of the year, and my pick for tag match of the year is FTR versus the Young Bucks from Full Gear. Uh, as as much as you might want to criticize AEW's women's division, and believe me, there's a lot of shit that you can criticize with them about that, uh, their tag division continues to be strong, and it only got stronger when FTR was added. And they built this thing with the Young Bucks really well. 
they didn't, you know, it wasn't like the first thing that they did. They had FTR go and win the titles, and then they had this match against the Young Bucks, which was just the best tag match I've seen all year by far. I thought they told a great story. FTR with the old old school stuff, the Young Bucks, who are normally much more high-flying, but in this match, they kind of changed their style ever so slightly to match FTR, and, you know... I, I, I like the way the match ended. I would have liked, I wanted to see something a little bit more dramatic, but still that quibble notwithstanding, I didn't see a better tag match this year than FTR versus Young Bucks at full gear. Uh, PC, what do you got on this category? Tag team matches of the year. I have the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, The Miz and Morrison were in there. We had a whole bunch of good things going on. Uh, I believe we also had uh, New Day, Ziggler and Rude, Lucha House Party, The Usos, one of their last matches together. Um, but if you remember, I believe it was one of the Lucha House Party who climbed the entire awkwardness of the roof of that chamber and did some kind of a splash onto everybody. So one of the honorable mentions for spot of the year. But I just really enjoyed the match overall. I think I wish WWE would treat the men's tag team championships as they did the women's, and it could float between brands. I think it would give it more legitimacy and depth. Yeah, that was a that was a really cool. I mean, that goes back to <laughs> the time when there were still fans there, and I I I remember the match. I remember the end was really cool, like the way that Morrison and Miz got the pin to retain. That was uh, wasn't it on Kofi? I think they pinned Kofi, wasn't it? I yeah. think so. Yeah, that was that was a hell of a match. You're right, Tony. Excellent call. Uh, AJ, what do you got for your tag team match of the year? Well, I know Tony's been bashing it. Big Dave and Ray, they both praised it. I'm not going to go with the Bucks and FTR. I'm going to go with an earlier one. I'm going to go the Bucks versus Omega and Hangman from Revolution in February. That was I actually really like, good. I like the match. It, it felt like it was a ripoff of the Young Bucks versus Omega and Ibushi from last year in New Japan. But, was, but they still did but it. It was great. It was still good. It was still, you know, you still have everyone. I'm not usually one for all the high spots or going super fast paced, but it really worked with both teams. It worked very well. Everything was elegantly done. So. I have no hate on it whatsoever. This is probably the one time where I'm like, AEW, yay! That's probably about as much praise you're going to get from me because I'm a stickler for AEW too. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, I'd actually forgotten about that match, uh, but that was a hell of a match. I mean, that one went a long, long time, and and Page Page and Omega retaining, didn't seem very likely in that scenario, but I think it did add some element to the whole FTR versus Young. But I, you know, you're splitting hairs here, six and one half dozen in the other. Ray, what do you got for your tag team match of the year? Young AJ is spot on. I also have uh, the Bucks versus Hangman and, and, and Kenny Omega. Let's get let's let's set the scene here. AW gets two things right. They get tag team wrestling right. And they, what they have done with Hangman Page has been fantastic. He should have been pushed higher, but, I mean, he's consistently, in my opinion, the most, the most engaging star they have. Um, but not only was the match, and you were spot on, 
about talking about the Bucks versus the Golden Lovers, which is one of the greatest tag matches I've ever seen in my life. If you've ever seen that match, it is fantastic. Um, it's funny how the Bucks actually wrestle good matches when they give a shit about the match. Isn't that interesting to think about? But not only was the match impeccably wrestled, but the story behind it was beautifully, fantastically told. Hangman not feeling like he's good enough to be a part of the elite. Drifting away. Him and Kenny kind of doing the strange bedfellows. We're both in the elite, but we never rocked with each other. If you remember when the Bullet Club imploded originally, Hangman sided with Cody over Kenny. So he always was kind of like, yeah, like I rock with you, but I don't rock with you. And if you watch their initial matches, they had that. They didn't get along, but they were great together. And then they got closer and closer. And the Bucks made Kenny choose. Look, we can have a great match, but like this dude is like, he's starting all this drama against us. Who are you with, Kenny? We're the elite. Are you with us or with Kenny or with Hangman? Kenny chose Hangman. And that all of that led to the reason why Kenny's this big douche nozzle now. Because all that started from this feud, right? Um, fantastic match, fantastic build, fantastic feud. Um, this is one of the times I enjoy the fact that AEW doesn't often continue feuds over and over and over again. But this is the one of the few times where, like, I I wish they would have like revisited this because it was so good and the feud was so perfect. Give them credit. Yeah, that's it for me. I just gotta say, man, I never thought that I'd hear the word douche nozzle used by anybody other than my daughter. So shout out to Ray Cash for the uh, the use of the word douche nozzle. <laughs> you welcome, daughter. Daughter. My daughter. Yeah. Well, she's she's wow. eighteen now, so she she's uh she's far more intelligent than I am. So that's sort of thing. <laughs> I was gonna say I haven't heard douche nozzle in a while. So as soon as I heard that, I'm like. Wow, that just took me back to high school. That's right. <laughs> Douche nozzles for the win. That that should be the alternate title to this episode. Well, let's uh, let's keep the train rolling here. On to women's match of the year, and this one is PC Tunney's category to lead us off. What is your women's match of the year? Sasha, Bailey, Helen Cell. It was the preview to Sasha being um, a Mandalorian. It, the the way she moved in that match was excellent, and the way Bailey like ad lib like her asking the ref to tape the sticks together because she was sweaty, her talking to Michael Cole like I just thoroughly enjoyed that match. Uh, it, it was it was way earlier than I wanted that rivalry to culminate, but it did a good job. And who said it's culminated? So that that's what I got. Culminated for now. AJ, what do you got for women's match of the year? I uh, I also agree that Hell in a Cell match was phenomenally done. Uh, again, I still wish that we had our, our little mania storyline that we made up, but bringing it all together at Hell in a Cell, actually using every weapon you could possibly find, I would have been a lot more uh, impressed if they actually did bring in a kitchen sink because they literally brought everything but that. So that was, and like I said, from that, that was the low rated hell in a cell for me when I did the reviews where I'm like, it wasn't as good as Drew and Orton or, or uh, Roman and Uso, but that was still a damn good match. Ray? 
Sasha Bailey, Hell in a Cell. Um, and I think the part neither of you two mentioned was this was the match where Sasha kind of got her mojo back. Remember, Sasha never won a Hell in a Cell. Sasha never really defended the championship. Sasha never beat Bailey. She broke all three of those in the same match in the same night. And that's what propelled her and gave her the power to go Tornado DDT Boba Fett <laughs> on Tatooine. Without those accomplishments, it wouldn't have happened. So, uh, <laughs> now that, yeah, this is the best women's match of the year. I, I, I think that's the actual accomplishment right there is doing the, the jetpack Tornado DDT on the Boba Fett right there. They need to do I that think for real. That'd be great if she shows up. If she shows up in her Mandalorian outfit at like WrestleMania or some shit like that. Uh, so I'm down. My pick for women's match of the year. It's got to be Lana versus Nia Jax. No, I'm. Just... Well, that's been our show, guys. Yes. Thanks for listening. I just destroyed I the credibility of the show. I just gave Ray like two heart attacks in one. No, um, it, this uh, women's match of the year is unanimous because for me it's Sasha versus Bailey. Hell in the cell as well. It is a unanimous category. Only the second one of the swaggies here this year. Yeah, that that match was something else. I mean, and I agree with you, Ray. That's where Sasha really got her mojo back and became the boss. She really became the boss again. I mean, the way that she got Bailey had that incredible run and had been so impressive the whole time. And then for Sasha to get her to tap out with that bank statement using the chair. What a great way to actually emphasize this is the how I'm going to beat her to get the to end this reign. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Sasha versus Bailey Hell in a Cell. Best women's match of the year for me. AJ, men's match of the year. This is a big one. What do you got in this category, man? Men's match of the year. It actually is a little different because I have the men's match and the overall match. Two different things. That's perfectly acceptable. And they're both men's matches. But for the men's match of the year, I'm going to have to give it to one of the two boyhood dreams that one Tetsuya Naito actually got to accomplish defeating Kazuchika Okada to become the double champion from Wrestle Kingdom. uh, There's no better way. He actually got to have that feel-good moment. I almost wanted to put that as moment of the year, either him winning at Wrestle Kingdom finally because of the whole storyline. He's not good enough for the world title. That's why he's the Intercontinental Champion. And let's not forget, he did win the G1 one year, and there was a fan vote to determine if they wanted the main event to be the G1 winner and the world champion, or Nakamura and um, Tanahashi for the Intercontinental, and the Intercontinental won, and that won. So he finally got that big moment, he finally got to win the match, it was a great match. Not my overall, though. Well, we will we will get to that in a moment. Ray, uh, judging by your reaction, you might agree with AJ, young AJ, on this. I don't because that that wasn't the best match. Period. I enjoyed uh, Jay and, and Naito more personally. Um, and 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 that d- damn you, Kenta. You know, uh, I'm a Naito mark, so yes. Um, that 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 night had my heart. Crazy how. 2020 has made us forget about that moment. Um, but no, my match of the year is Walter versus Iggy Dragonfly. 
What a match. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Get his name right, Ray. That's so disrespectful. Something like that. Uh, Iggy Dragonfly. God, that's that's the second alternative title to this. <laughs> Ilya Dragunov. Jeez, you guys. Yeah, are, that guy. You guys are killing me. You know, in this in this kind of where we've gotten in wrestling, you don't have very many legit big men. Walter is big as is, is as legit a big man as they come. But not like other than maybe Taker. Roman, I don't know if he counts as a big man, but like not many big men wrestle better against smaller guys like Walter does. He is built to bump for five foot ten, 190 pound guys because he made everything that Dragonfly did look truly hurt, like 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 brutal. And so many times in that match. Was I like, and mind you, I've watched ECW at its height. I've seen IWA Mid South. I've seen CZW. Like, it takes a lot for me to say, ugh. I did it like 10 times in that match. And, it, like, you know, when he just, like, when he smacked the back of, 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 his, of his neck, it's just a beautiful, brutal match. And um, another thing I love about the match is that's one of the few matches where you can tell. Both people give a shit about wanting to win. Like, like it mattered. Not just that. It, I, so much of this is, we know that the curtain's been open and we know it's a performance and this and that. Both of those gentlemen actually seem like they gave a shit about beating the other person. Beautiful match. Damn, I hate it had no crowd. Um, but both of those men, they deserve the month and a half vacation they got afterwards because they, I don't know if they were cleared. You know how at the end of a good MMA fight, how both people are medically disqualified for fighting for like two, three months? That was that was Walter and Dragonfly or Dragonoff or whatever his name is. That guy. You Great know, match. it's my pick too, Ray. Walter versus Dragonoff's my pick as well from the October 29th, 2020 NXT UK. Please go watch this match. They do not do matches like this anymore. I'm not nope. even sure if they ever really did matches like that to begin with. That there, and you were absolutely right, Ray. There are moments in that match that just make you stop and say, "I know this is a performance, but I'm not sure this is a performance anymore." And and I mean, the chops that Walter laid on Dragonoff uh, are just so devastating. And 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 it's not just ch- chops to the chest, chops to the back, kicks to the back. Ilya Dragonoff took an ungodly beating in this match staged or otherwise uh that was brutal to watch and 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 the the moment that i mean the end of the match is so beautiful in its brutality where walter catches him in that sleeper Dragonoff is unconscious with his mouth open gurgling up blood coming from it you just don't get moments like that and i so agree with you ray that if that was in front of a crowd it would have got the reaction Ooh. It would have got the reaction that that Dunn and Tyler Bate did at the first NXT Takeover Chicago. It was on ovation. It was on that level. It sucks that they had to do that in front. But then again, the fact that there was no crowd there, you could literally hear flesh tearing with every chop that they made. It just it's a match that you just don't see anymore. I'm not sure we've ever seen anything quite like that one. And yeah, I mean, shout out to both those guys for just an unbelievable performance. It's my men's match of the year. PC Tunney, what do you got for your men's match of the year? It's the Royal Rumble. 
Good call. It's it's and and I'll just get it out of the way. It's my overall match of the year too. I mean, it, it's just the match of the year to me. The storyline that they put us with Brock Lesnar eliminating the first however many people, and then to set Drew McIntyre up to what they've successfully done with him, like they've paid this off. Do you not like people need to understand that they paid this off. They built up Brock, they gave it to Drew, and they paid it off. And Drew's done a very, very, very good job with it. So that's 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 both of mine. That's my time for both of those. Very expedient of you. Nice ec- economic yeah. use of your time, my friend. Um, <laughs> switching over to overall match of the year, uh, Ray. What's your what's your pick for overall match of the year? Much like Tony, I have to use the same match I used. I got to go with Walter. Versus Isaiah Dreamstone again. My God, God, the match. How many names does this guy it's just, have? It's it's just a it, it's a beautiful it's it. I, when I talk to people who aren't wrestling or, or fighting fans, they don't understand what I say when I say beautiful brutality. That match was as beautiful as it gets from a from a brutality standpoint. Yeah, yeah and so. I- and I'm with you, Ray. It's my overall match of the year. AJ, I know your overall match of the year is going to be the only one that differs from your men's match of the year. So please enlighten us. I, I'm I'm definitely interested in hearing this. See, with me, with the men's match of the year, it was the feel-good moment for Naito, where it was Naito, the, all that was for Naito. For me, the overall, I'm agreeing with Big Dave and Ray here, that match was nothing short of brutal. You had Big Von Volta go out against it, Dragonfly, Dra- Drago, whatever the heck you want to call him. Well done. I'm really? using that. I'm using that from now on. Big Von Volta. I'm using that. <laughs> That's beautiful. Big Volter actually dismantling Ilya Dragunov, and Ilya just gets back up. He wants to win. He actually thinks he's going to be the one to dismantle Walter. He's just taking everything. Like you said with the, the sleeper where he's choking up blood. His back, his neck, his chest all looked like it went through a cheese grater and a freaking meat tenderizer all in one. So overall, if you wanted to really watch wrestling and you're hating it, but you're big into fights like UFC or boxing, yeah, here you go. Here's one match. You can watch it on the WWE Network because... Hey, NXT UK needs some love too. That was hell to watch. It was disturbing, but it was so awesome at the same time. This is why wrestling is such a great, great sports entertainment is so fantastic because it's it can it can make you cringe and make you cheer all at the same time. So, well, guys, we are down to our final four. It's time to hand out the hardware for individuals of the year. Uh, I get to kick this thing off. Female wrestler of the year. For me, it is the boss, Sasha Banks. I, I got to give it to Sasha. She, uh, the latter half of the year, just what she's done in the latter half of the year since she found her footing against her former best friend, the match at Hell in a Cell, actually defending the fucking title at SmackDown. Finally, a successful title defense. Um, she made Carmella look good. I mean, Carmella's improved some, but she had a good match with Carmella at TLC. Uh, all the stuff with the Mandalorian, Sasha, you know, Sasha and Bailey both. I mean, you might 
really you can make the argument for co-women wrestlers of the year. Could be either of them. Could be both of them. Um, they carried the division with Charlotte gone, with Becky gone. I think at the end of the year, um, and I know Bailey's dealt with some personal issues, you know, and, and, and that issue notwithstanding. I thought Sasha pulled ahead at the end of the year. I'm giving women's wrestler of the year to Sasha Banks. PC Tunney, what do you got here? Everything you just said uh, times 10, I'm giving it to Bailey just for a little bit more consistency. And that's, that's the end of it. So works for me. AJ, what do you got here, man? For me, nobody's ready for my pick for this one. Cause it has to be Oscar, you know, winning money in the bank, doing everything the first person to do everything for women's wrestling in WWE winning the Royal Rumble money in the bank all the belts including the NXT just not the UK but regardless and combined with every single women's championship that there has been in WWE history I'm pretty sure as this recording she is a thousand and two days with cumulative with every single reign that she has and the only person she's behind is Moolah. Wow. That's, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, that that's a hell of a pick as well. Um, if, I mean, if there's anything bad, she's on Raw, which their women's division has been kind of a wreck since Becky left, you know, that sort of thing. But but I, I love the pick, AJ. She is a, a standout on that roster. Ray, what do you got for Women's Wrestler of the Year, man? To be fair, Moolah went years without defending that belt, too. So, I mean... <laughs> yeah, that is true, yeah. <laughs> so, like give Oscar some love. <laughs> also, Charlotte's back there. Yeah, Charlotte, that'll help. That, and it's only a matter of time before Charlotte stabs Oscar in the back and that kicks off that feud. So, we'll see how that long that lasts. And Naomi, Naomi is healthy. So, Naomi should be coming back, too. Okay. And Becky can't um, stay uh, pregnant forever. So, you know. Motherhood's gonna get old after a while. Uh, and hey, that begs the difference. That's, that's a title of this episode. Motherhood gets old after a while. And don't forget, they still got Lana. Yeah, women's wrestler of the year category. Possibly there. Women's wrestler of the year, Lana. Moment of the year, Lana being sole survivor. Moment, yeah. The table winning consecutive matches. Okay, from May 19th, 2019, to October 25th, Bailey held the championship for um, 140 plus 380 days. What is that? 520 days? Are you talking about 2019? With the exception of five days when Charlotte beat her. She held the title from the, from May until Oct- of last year to October of this year. The well, answer's got to be bad. I appreciate you making my point. I got you. Yes, the answer's got to be bad, Bailey. With all due respect to Sasha, Sasha had a great year as well, but Bailey carried the company, not the women's division, the company for most of the year. Sasha turned up. After after the like the first half of the year, but by and large, Sasha was Bailey's sidekick for most of the year. Legitimately, it was all about Bailey. So shout out to Bad Bailey. She's got to be the women's wrestler of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a good call. I mean, like I said, I, I'm almost tempted to say co 
<laughs> co-women of the year between Sasha and That'd Bailey. be fair. That, that would be a fair move. Uh, tag team of the year, PC Tunney, this is your category to lead. What do you got here? Uh, tag team of the year. You know, this is the one I struggled the most on, to be honest with you. It was really interesting. Like, I, I almost wanted to give it to uh, an impact uh, tag team, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, AJ, about to you might actually, AJ might actually have them for his tag team of the year. But I, instead of looking upwards on the map, if you will, um, shout out to the hemisphere that isn't southern but is opposite of that but i had to stay within the realm of the gigantic you know you know global media conglomerate and i'm going to give it to the ones that have been the most consistent and the ones that are growing and the ones that are going to continue to grow and and i want the smoke so the street profits for me are the tag team of the year Ray holds up the cup. That's a that's a great call, man. I the Street Profits really really came through this year and kind of got got to the point where they really ascended. You know, came from just kind of being a, a comedy act to really showing and the match they had against the New Day at Survivor Series was an excellent match. Oh, not only that, but they had the things with the you know, the Viking Prophets or whatever, the, the Viking whatever, Warriors. Whatever they, or, war War Prophets, Viking machine. Viking I mean, Machine. <laughs> the two guys that I've had drinks with at the bar that have beards and don't, you know, com- talk in complete sentences, to be honest with you, but they're great guys. You know, I, that's just a shoot. But anyway, I, I mean, the Street Profits, yes, they're doing everything right. And I can't wait till they get to the next level because that's coming soon. Should like be. once crowds come back, I think people need to know that the Street Profits are going to continue to ascend as characters like it's really hard for brand new people to start off with the crowd and then get put into this thing where there's no one around you and it's hard to judge what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. So just wait, just wait till we get back to normal, whether it's three months, nine months, 18 months, the street profits are here to stay. And if you're smart, you want the smoke too. I want the smoke. Uh, well, wait, we're not going to talk about that on the air. AJ, uh, what uh, what do you got for your tag team of the year, man? Hey, man, I would love some of that smoke. Not gonna lie, Tony, hold your breath. Hold, hold on, hold on, because you did mention my pick. You did the walking weapon, Josh Alexander, all ego, Ethan Page, the North, going to raise thing with Bailey with the longest reigning women's champion probably for a while that they have. The North were their tag team division. They literally brought it. They had to bring the Good Brothers. They needed to bring the Motor City Machine Guns to actually do something. The Rascals, they did a good effort, but they didn't bring everything. They didn't beat them. They held those tag titles for a year. And now... now we have a little bit of, you know, they, they might break up. They might do whatever now. Who knows what's going to happen? What they, other than, for the whole Tessa bullshit, Tessa was the person that was killing them. But 
now that she left, she had her little hissy fit. She's down in Mexico with Daga and having a good time, drinking whatever, getting engaged. Who cares? Who knows? I don't really give a damn because the North brought it. They carried impact. They carried that tag team division. I got to give it to them. The Street Profits, great pick. I would have said them too. But if the North didn't do what they did, they elevated everything for that championship alone. I have to give it to them. That's a, that's a hell of a pick. Tony knew it was coming. Kind of predicted that. The North, you know, it's not just the Toronto Raptors. Well, wherever Toronto's playing this year. Ray, what do you have for your tag team of the year, man? They can play in the old Supersonics arena. Oh, there you go. I think it got imploded, didn't it? <laughs> Gut punch. Um, the North is the only other option besides the Street Profits, but I'm going with the Street Profits. March 20th, they won the tag championships. I they've probably lost like five tag tag matches all year. They had they 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 held the belt for 200 and some odd days, and then. Switch titles with the new day because they were going to the new show, and they don't—they don't look like they're going to lose anytime soon. They're my answer. Tony made a great point. When when there's crowds back and when they have that defining feud, that'll be when they break out. WrestleMania 37, the new and improved Usos. That's what I want. Give me profits, Usos with ten thousand fans in that. 67 seat thousand seat arena i that's what that's all i want that's that's what i want yeah i mean i i like the street profit i like the call about street profits versus usos if you have ten thousand people um i i went outside wwe for my pick and no it's not the north um but i went ftr was my tag team of the year and and the reason i i went with ftr is okay now correct me if i'm wrong i'm trying to count this off i don't think there's another tag team who's been nxt Raw, SmackDown, and AW Tag Team Champions. Are there? They're the only ones. I think you can I think you can pump them up another way in their relevancy as like uh, one of the biggest crossovers since like WCW and WWE are crossing over talent. Like right. it just happened. Hey, boom, here's the the revival. Right. You they're, know? They're and here, it's different. And they were immediately yeah. legitimate the second that they showed up on, on set. And I, I mean, one thing I liked about them is, is that they just didn't yield at the end. They knew they didn't want to be in WWE. And no matter how much money Vince threw at them or what gimmicks he wanted to throw at them or how much he tried to bury them with stupid shit like shaving each other's back in the shower, they just... they funny, though. Yeah, maybe. No, the no, the itching the itching powder is hilarious. <laughs> I don't give a shit what nobody says. That I, is hilarious. I just thought that they they you know, they played out their contract. They did the, what they were supposed to do. They went to AEW. They were immediately relevant. They they get themselves lined up with Tully Blanchard, which was great because most of us, I mean, Tony, we've said it numerous times. The revival always reminded me of the Brainbusters. So to have them aligned with Tully Blanchard was so perfect. And then they break out the Spike Pal driver, they break out power and glory stuff. They are such a tribute and a throwback to old school wrestling. And it carried over in AEW. And then they dethroned Paige and Omega, who had held the title for most of 2020, put on that match of the year quality match that they had with the Young Bucks. Um, Street Profits are great. If WWE's tag division was better, 
then I would go with you guys. But I just I, I think AEW's tag division is quite a bit better than either Raw or SmackDown right now. So that's why I'm going with FTR for tag team of the year. Well, that was good. That was a good discussion. A couple of votes for Street Profits, one for the North, one for FTR. AJ, it is your place to run with your pick for male wrestler of the year. What do you got here? Male wrestler of the year. And I'm not going to lie, this is going to be a little bit of a bias, too. It's also going to be overall wrestler of the year. I got to give it to someone who, at the beginning of his character, like a couple of years ago, he didn't have it. He started getting it. He started getting it more and more. And now you just hate the guy. He is your. He is a spoiler whenever Eddie he wrestles. Kingston? Is not, it Eddie Kingston? <laughs> it is not Eddie Kingston, no. Is it Lana? Uh, it's obviously Lana. I was just about to say, it's Lana. No, I'm kidding. No, for me, it's a guy who I wasn't very, very big on at first. It's got to be, for me, Jay White. He makes his character look good. He is the first person to beat the G1 Climax winner for his briefcase. And everyone loves to hate him. He is the best heel that they've seen in quite some time. Or he, you can say, yeah, Bullet Club, Bullet Club always had cheering, whether it was AJ, whether it was Omega, no matter what, everyone fucking hates Jay White because he plays a heel perfect. He will tell you, fuck you, I won the briefcase, I'm going to defend it on the second night since we're having the two night uh, Wrestle Kingdom again. I'm going to take a day off real quick. I'm going to become a two-time champion. He's the reason why there was a dual championship even idea for New Japan where he says, well, I'm going to win the Intercontinental. I'm going to win the IWGP. Hell, I'll if I really wanted to, I'll win the United States, the, the trio, the freaking normal tags, you name it. I'm going to win it because I'm that damn good. And everyone hates him. It's perfect. He has a good look. You love to hate him. He's got Ghetto in his corner. The man that brought Okada and made Okada all pun intended money. He is probably the best wrestler that I've seen in quite some time next to, you know, Naito and Okada. Well, I I have nothing on that. I mean, I can't dispute that. So that's your pick for male and overall wrestler of the year is uh, Jay White. Nicely done, AJ. I, I don't think we can really dispute your opinion, wrong though it may be. No, I'm just kidding. Well, like, well we know Tony can dispute it because I well, said New Japan. You said Japan. Uh, Ray, what's your pick for Male Wrestler of the Year? To the Jay White point real quick. This is the portion of the show where I'd like to give all deference to the Tongans because I don't want any smoke from the Tongans, the Samoans, any Polynesians. All deference. The fact that Jay White is the first person that the Bullet Club has said is their actual leader lets you know how for real Jay White is. Because the rest of them were never leaders. The rest of them were the front men. Jay White is the leader. Um, all right, so yeah, to my point, to my to my answer. I'm a big fan of uh I'm a big fan of Bill Simmons, right? And the way Bill Simmons thinks you should think about MVPs is simply this. At the end of the year, or when I'm thinking about it years down the line, who's the first person that comes to my mind? In 2020, this is my male and overall rest of the year. The first person that comes to mind is Drew McIntyre. This was the year of Drew McIntyre. From the Rumble to his 
uh, WrestleMania ascent to holding the company down all through the summer with fantastic matches here and there to what may have been the feud of the year with Orton to what may have been the, the best match main roster of the year with Reigns at Survivor Series going to now probably main event another WrestleMania finally with people. This was the year of Drew McIntyre. And more importantly, this is the first year since the Shield and the Wyatts fought. And the, until they, since, the, since those two entities broke up and became stars individually, that they've actually made a male star. Drew McIntyre is a made man. Everybody else they tried to, to, to elevate was either a star before they came or was an IWC fave. Drew McIntyre is now a, Drew McIntyre is doing interviews with Matthew McConaughey. You know what I'm talking about? Drew McIntyre is a star. And it all is thanks to that Royal Rumble match that Tunney loves, where Brock put him over like a million bucks. This is the year of Drew McIntyre, male wrestler of the year, overall wrestler of the year, in my opinion. Well, I uh, I am going to agree with you, Ray, for male wrestler of the year. I, I don't agree that he's overall wrestler of the year. But for male wrestler of the year, for me, it's Drew McIntyre. Uh, narrowly beating out John Moxley. I had, I had John was my runner-up for male wrestler of the year. And the reason why I gave it to Drew is kind of the same rationale that I had for FTR over the Street Profits, but in reverse. Because I just think the WWE main roster is stronger than anything that Moxley went against this year. I mean, what did he... Beating MJF, okay, fine. Beating Eddie Kingston, okay, fine. You didn't beat fucking Brock Lesnar. You didn't go through those matches with Randy Orton. You didn't have a match of the year quality candidate with Roman Reigns. Oh, by the way, Roman beat your ass when you ever you faced him in WWE, John. Uh, not taking anything away from Moxley because he had a tremendous year anchoring AEW and leading their surge in popularity. But when you look at the body of work that Drew McIntyre put in, and like Ray said, carrying the company on his back, at least until Roman got back for sure. Uh, he was the man. And I mean, and just, and when you think about where Drew was, what was it? A year earlier at WrestleMania 35, they fed him to Roman because they wanted a feel good story for Roman to come back from leukemia. Roman beat him. This is the same guy who Cedric Alexander had beaten. And then he comes out of nowhere. I mean, you can make an argument that Drew, but for Edge, would have been comeback wrestler of the year. Um, to see where he ended up is just remarkable. He's my male wrestler of the year. PC. I, I, made, I made that argument. I know you did. I'm agreeing with you. And, and you know, an hour later, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> and I'm agreeing with you and Ray that the male wrestler of the year is Drew McIntyre. For all the reasons you've just said, and I've said it before, comeback, wrestler of the year, uh, wrestler of the year. He's been the most important thing to WWE considering the things that are taken for granted i.e., you know, the the tribal chief, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's where I'm at. All right. So we know that AJ's pick for overall rest of the year is Jay White. We know Ray's overall pick of the year, overall wrestler of the year is Drew McIntyre. PC, is, is Drew your pick for overall wrestler of the year as well? He is, actually. And I struggled with this almost as much as a couple other categories. But when it comes down to it, just like the year he's had outside of the years he's had in his career compared to others. When you, when you consider that a, a you know, a, a breakdown tying factor, Drew McIntyre has been phenomenal. 
it's been amazing. And, and you know, it's not only that, it's the things he's done outside of the ring. You mentioned like the Drew, the, uh, the Matthew McConaughey interview. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, what, what's that called, Ray? That what he does on WWE Network. Um, oh, yeah, he has his own show now. Drew and A. Drew and, Q and Drew. Drew and A. Drew and A. Q and Drew. Yeah, whatever. Drew and A. There you go. Um, but it's just he's growing. He's growing leaps and bounds. So for me, that, that that's what I got. Well, I guess I'm the only one who differed from overall for male wrestler of the year. My overall wrestler of the year is actually Roman Reigns, the tribal chief. And I, I got to go with him because as great a year as Drew had, when I look at overall and I'm looking at intangibles and I'm looking at things like that, I look at Roman Reigns as the tribal chief and I look at the year that he had. Started off, you know, he's going to face Goldberg at WrestleMania in a match that no one gave a shit about because all they were going to do was anoint Roman Reigns as a champion again. Then he does something on a personal level where he says, this is when COVID starts and he steps away. He says, I'm not going to endanger myself. I'm not going to endanger my kids. I'm going to go away for a while until you guys get this under control. So kudos to him as a person for having the courage to say, I'm going to step away from the main event of WrestleMania because it would have been the main event of night two, probably. Go ahead, PC. I'll give him props for that 100%. I agree with it. But that's the main reason why I'm not going to give him this award. And, you know, like we're on opposite. And I respect the fact that you're going to give it to him for that fact. But I think that's the flip right there is the difference between whether or not you say, okay, I respect you, Roman Reigns. I'm not poo-pooing that factor of what's going on. I legitimately care about what you care about. But if I'm going to give that award now, then for just like the wrestling side of it, right. Someone well, that, who is more and I'm giving it to drew. And that's why I so gave that's, drew. That's why I gave drew male wrestler of the year, but I'm talking about overall when Roman came back and was thrust into this heel role and everything he has done since then. Yes. He didn't, he didn't wrestle nearly as much as drew did this year. But when you look at what Roman has done since he came back with this whole tribal chief gimmick, and like AJ's moment of the year where he sits there, it's a spoiler, and Paul Heyman is sitting next to him, stuff you don't expect. And the story, the like the acting job he did at Hell in the Cell, faking the tears and crying on, on command, showing his range as an actor, and just everything he's done where the point is that he's this guy's like, I really want to dislike him. And he does, and he plays a heel so well because he should be able to beat Kevin Owens' ass. He shouldn't need any help from anybody else, but they got to play that heel gimmick up. And he plays into that. And I don't think any of us really expected Roman to be able to do this. So for him to be this good of a heel, to make you actually, I already didn't like the guy, but now I think he's a douche nozzle, like Ray would say. And, and you know, I, I, just, I just think what he has accomplished in the, since SummerSlam to here is nothing short of remarkable. It's, it's refreshing because so many of us, so many in the IWC wanted it to happen. And now that it has happened, it's better than we thought it was going to be. So when I'm just looking overall, everything that he's done, the match against Drew at Survivor Series was fantastic. And just the stuff he did with Drew, you know, hey, man, you're, you're my favorite number two. Just shit like that was so fucking great. Uh, I just love I, I got to give it to Roman for overall wrestler of the year. Can I back you up? Please. Can I back you up? I need quick? some backup. Tony's not buying it. <laughs> um, Roman has also built up people. Unlike anybody else in this in, in, in this year. Roman has made Jay Uso, a former tag guy, a legitimate single star. 
not only a legitimate single star, a single star who main evented their, their highest rated show five weeks in a row. He has made Kevin Owens the most relevant he's been since he was last Universal Champion, right? He has, I'm just saying, this it is, it is what it is, right? On top of that, he, um, I, I love how you mentioned him walking away. That is the, if Roman wouldn't have walked away, can you imagine how much worse their response to COVID would have been? Yeah, it because would have been awful. Roman walking away is the reason they allow people to say, "Now nah, you can go home. It's cool. We're yeah. cool with you going home." Because if Roman wouldn't have left, all hands on deck, baby. What you talking about? Um, so yeah, I I'm with you on that. I just did a column um, with my friend Clive from Wrestling Headlines, Lords of Pain, where we debated. Who was the best in the world right now, Roman or Drew? And I went with Roman, and I argued the same things you're arguing. I went with Drew only because of the full calendar year. But if you're talking about just pure accolades, Roman might. Roman gave a bump to Drew just in their two or three encounters. That tells you something. Drew McIntyre has main evented almost every show this year. The ones he didn't main event are. The ones he didn't main event are the ones Roman was Roman wrestled. Uh basically pretty much. That's like that's it. And Roman Roman and, and uh McIntyre main evented Hell in the Cell. That's the match he lost. Like Roman's the star. And we won't talk about Randy Orton murdering the fiend last week at TLC, which was the main event, but you know. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, yeah, Go ahead, PC. When there's a murder, that's gonna be the murder, main event, yeah. I mean, you know, when Baron Corbin <laughs> threw two guys off the top of the damn yeah, that's right. That's Steph, right. That made a minute. When you kill somebody, it deserves the end of the show. That's true. Watch for, this, watch for the stomach deflation. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, apparently that's just Vince way nowadays where it's like, it, do, are we going to kill a man on live TV? Quote, unquote, kill a man on live TV? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Main event. Okay. Let's drown the fiend in a, in a pool. Okay. Okay, if we all want to be so intelligent and go to callbacks and everything else and legitify everything that's going on, it's the same person who killed himself by blowing up a limousine. And if it was not for set events, that would have been carried forward. So let's not put anything past anything, okay? Hey, this hey, is hey true. the man has wrestled God. He could have came back regardless. He wrestled and beat God. Speaking of God and coming back regardless, I heard there's a possibility of a wrestling God, coming back. Dave, just keep going here before we get off the rails. <laughs> Shit. Wrestling gods, huh? <clears throat> anyway. Well, guys, that's it for the sixth annual sweat. Hey, you heard. I hadn't heard, but if even if it is true, mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't want it. You don't, you don't want it, Ray? Yeah. You don't want a wrestling god hanging around, you know? I Look, I, I, I am one of the few people that mark the fuck out for JBL. I love JBL. Bro, come back and do a commentary of now and then. Go hang with you. Go play golf on your your your, your mansion in Bermuda and take care of the black kids. You want JBL. <laughs> yes. Well, guys, that is going to do it for the 6th Annual Swaggy Awards. An excellent show. Excellent opinions. Great analysis all the way around. Before we cut out of here, go around once around the horn to have everybody let people know where can they check you out, where can they see what you're doing on the chairshot.com, social media information, PC Tunny, kick it off, my friend. You can find me at PC Tunny right there on the Twitter, and that will tell you everything you need to know about me. 
hit up thechairshot.com. There you go. AJ Belaz, a pleasure to have you here on this episode, my friend. Excellent analysis. You did a phenomenal, see what I did there? Phenomenal job, AJ. Uh, where can people check you out on social media? Uh, you can find me on social media at, uh, at PhenomenalAJB on Twitter. Hey, why don't you also go down there? It's been 13 years since the Tampa Bay Buccaneers made a playoff appearance, so I'm happy about that. You can talk about that with me on Twitter if you want. You can also follow me on thechairshot.com. I'm usually with the uh, hooded figure himself, PC Tunia, and our good friend, the scientist DPP, on the DWI podcast, which you can find on thechairshot.com. And speaking of DPP, go check out his podcast, A Winner Is You. That is the letter U, also on thechairshot.com, because I know he wanted to be here, but he's out on assignment, sadly, so he couldn't make it. By assignment, he's not feeling well, folks. That's, that's, that's his assignment for the day. But uh, Ray... Uh, thank you so much for being a part of this show. Your input was magnificent. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Where can people check you out on the interwebs? So you can find me at It's Ray Cash. That's R-E-Y as in Mysterio. C-A-S-H as in dollars. Um, I am the host of the Outsider's Edge podcast at Outsider's HCS on the chair shot. I am one third of the triumvirate of the three man weave at three underscore man weave. Check that out. I am also one-third or one-fourth of the group of the nerds in the basement uh, at uh, Bandwagon Nerds, at Bandwagon Nerds. Shout out to that. And one half of the Head Trauma Collective, you will see on the rebooted Cheshire Radio. So, yeah, I do a lot. He's got a lot going on. Yeah, there are four of us in band. It's kind of like Green Day. You know, they there's that fourth. That extra, gu- oh. <laughs> that extra guitarist that never really gets much play, that sort of thing. Jeez. Yeah, so, you know. I don't know if that's you or PC, but the hooded one? Nah, PC can't be you, because you know why? It's total BS! But anyway, thank you guys so much for being a part of the 6th Annual Swaggy Awards. It was a great show. Lots of good opinion. Uh, hopefully you come back and do this next year. Thank you guys so much. Happy New Year to everybody. Can't get any worse. It's like Platt Balaz 2020. Can't do any worse. 2021 can't be any worse than 2020. (laughs) All right, guys, take it easy. Thank you so much. Okay, folks, we are back. That's it. That is it, my friends. The sixth annual Swaggy Awards in the books, man. What a great show. I mean, what a fantastic show. So many good topics discussed. Uh, Unanimous categories, few and far between. That's uh, that's for sure. I think, um, you know, what, it, what what I know, like female women's match of the year, Sasha Bailey, Hell in the Cell, that got a unanimous category. I think one other was it like turn of the year. I think Roman may have had the um, the unanimous vote for turn of the year, but uh, just otherwise, just some great stuff. I mean, you know, you talk about the gimmick matches and the high spots. Um, you know, brand of the year really got a good discussion with Ray and I going with AEW and, and PC going with WWE that got a good discussion pay-per-view of the year. Um, you know, Royal rumble was a choice that we had. I love the NXT takeover Portland call that I think Ray had. That was fantastic. You know, I, I talked about it earlier. Um, my disappointment of the year was WrestleMania 36 and, and I explained the reasons why, and, and like I said, it had nothing to do with the card. The card was good. Most of it. Uh, it was just the the specter of the spectacle of WrestleMania is is a spectacle for a reason, 
and this was not it. WrestleMania 36 was just depressing as fuck. Two days spaced out, empty arena. Um, you know, like I said, you could have called it anything else other than WrestleMania. They opted to call it WrestleMania. It was disappointing to the extent that it really kind of brought home where things were. And, and you know, at that, you know, maybe if it had been, you know, a few months earlier, if the pandemic had sent in a few months earlier and you were used to these empty arenas, that, that'd be a little bit different. But uh, at that time, it just really kind of, you know, you know, it, it 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 brought everything home very real and 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 very depressing at that time. But you know, we had some other stuff. You know, we we're talking moments of the year and upsets of the year, and and just all sorts of good stuff. I really, really hope you guys enjoyed the Swaggy Awards because we we spent a lot of time talking about stuff. We spent a lot of time debating things um, and just getting deep into this crazy world that was pro wrestling in 2020. And I'm recording this on New Year's Eve, and, and this is either going to come out New Year's Eve or first thing on uh, New Year's Day. So, you know, this will either be the last episode of 2020 or the first episode of 2021. Who knows? Uh, you know, as for the future of the show, I, I've I've said this before on other shows. I've talked about it. Um, I've really vacillated a lot as to whether this will be the last year, you know, of, of, attitude, of, of attitude of aggression that maybe you know, when the renewal comes up for the show in March or April that I might just say, that's it. I've done enough. Um, we've done enough. You know, this show's had a, a long history. You know, we've going on six years now. Then on the other hand, I started thinking maybe I'll try and go in a different direction. And, 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 um, and you know, the fact of the matter is that there are so many podcasts out there that cover the current product, Right. And I mean, even on the chairshot.com, which is, you know, who we're affiliated with attitude of aggression doesn't put out content regularly enough to be featured on there. But, you know, when we do, Greg usually puts stuff on there, um, you know, and, and, and they've got the DWI cover stuff, the outsider's edge raise podcast. It covers the current product. You know, you got pot is war that covers the current product uh, as current as you can get and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, I love the current product. Most of the time, some, some stuff I have issues with, the, you know, I started thinking when they first started the show, like the first few episodes of the show, even before old Gator came on for that, ep, that sixth episode where we had a co-host for quite a while, you know, one of the things I want to do was to kind of go back through the WWE network and start at the beginning where pay-per-views begin and kind of review pay-per-views in chronological order, you know, and and I've really given a lot of thought about doing that again lately, like to go back to the beginning. And I know I've talked about like Starcade 83 and Starcade 84 on early days of the podcast on some stuff where you see the historical high spot stuff. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe I'll start doing that more. And that might be how we reintegrate the show, you know, cover the current stuff here and there, but really kind of do some retro stuff and, and do this project. Start at the beginning and see where it takes us. People love the old stuff. They love classic wrestling far more than the current product. So why not give my own perspective? I mean, I am 52 now. I lived through much of this stuff. Uh, I have a different perspective on things because I lived through it. I have a different memory, like, you know, talking to Tracy Smothers before he passed away, rest in peace, about that great American bash in 1990, things like that. So I might do that, and if I go in that direction, and I think I probably will, uh, you know, I want to bring in my friends. I want to bring in guys like PC Tunney or DPP or or maybe even get Patrick on here or Greg or, or Ray Cash or Chris Platt 
or 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 AJ or Andrew Belaz or or any of these guys that I work with. I hope I didn't leave out anybody. <laughs> I'm just spitballing things. But that'd be cool to get them on there to get their perspective on some of these old events. And that might be fun. You know, I'd love I would love to at least get to episode 300. You know, we're 31 episodes away right now. I just got to get more consistent. Really going to try to do that this year. Hopefully the vaccines work. The pandemic gets brought under control and we can go from there. But, uh, you know, the only other thing I wanted to say is I want anybody listening to keep Greg DeMarco in their thoughts and prayers. Greg came out this week and announced he's got leukemia, chronic myeloid leukemia, same stuff that Roman Reigns has had and well, still does have. Um, you know, luckily they caught it early. It sounds like they're going to be able to treat this, but Greg's a great guy. Um, I've got my own history with leukemia, not me personally. My mom, you know, she, she got it. She passed away from that eight years ago. And, um, that's not to scare anybody, certainly not to scare Greg or anything. She had a different variety entirely, but I did want to say, you know, Greg's announced this. It was on the Greg DeMarco show. He put it on Facebook. Everybody at the chair shot knows Keep Greg in your thoughts and your prayers as you go forward in 2021. He's uh, he's a good guy, great guy, and he's doing a lot of, you know, he's the head honcho at the chair shot. So, um, you know, we got to keep him in our thoughts and prayers, and hopefully he gets better real, real, real soon. But, my friends, that's going to do it for this episode, the 269th episode of the show, the sixth annual Swaggy Awards in the book. We'll see what happens in 2021. Uh, a little bit of contact information for you before we head on out of here. If you want to go to the website where most of the podcast episodes are available, it is www.attitudeofaggression.com. Once again, www.attitudeofaggression.com. If you want to send an email to the show, it is attitudeofaggression at gmail.com. If you send me an email, I'll be sure to read that on the air. Do my very best to answer it on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. On Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. If you go there, please hit the like button. And on Instagram, I don't do a whole lot on there anymore, but that's Attitude of Aggression, all one word. Also, if you like this episode and if you listen to any of the old stuff and you like that as well and you're checking me out on iTunes or or whatever, you know, Spotify. Well, I don't even think we're on Spotify, but some of the other mobile platforms. If you like what you hear, please leave me a five-star review. I sure appreciate it. And beyond that, guys, that's going to do it for 2020. Thank God, right? Get the fuck out of here. Get this year over with. Let's move on. No guarantees 2021 will be any better, but can't be any worse, right? (laughs) I mean, you got to go into the year thinking optimistically, right? It can't be any worse than it was and with that being said on that uplifting positive note fellas we're going to call it a year Uh, i really hope everybody stays safe stay healthy i pray with everything i've got that everybody has the most happiest of new year's eve and the greatest 2021 of their that could possibly be have the best year of your lives until next time my friends i'll be talking to you soon until then stay aggressive And you guys do it with attitude. We'll catch you soon. So long. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? 
TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com.